broadcast live and heard around the world. You are now watching the most entertaining hour of radio on the planet. Welcome to the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com with your hosts Eric Balkman and Farrell Elliott. The High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour is your home for analysis from the best players in the world. And now, because no one else was available, here are Eric Baltman and Farrell Elliott. Cyrus in the scripture, are we not all our father's sons? I became a man, nobody ever told me what a man was. Welcome in, welcome into the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour. The Broncos due for a uh, ADP bump this evening. Uh, how will tonight's drafters handle the Colts' backfield, and can the overall champ come out of one of the more loaded uh, drafts we have seen in recent pros versus Joe's memory tonight? You can follow along with the draft board tonight to watch our pick-by-pick -pick analysis. We're going to call the action from the 2023 FFPC Pros versus Joe's Grace's Secret number 5 to see who is going to win a 2024 FFPC main event squad. I am your slightly above average host, Eric Balkman. You follow me on Twitter at or on X at Eric Balkman, the FFPC on X at FFPC. And of course, the high stakes fantasy football hour at HSFF hour. You can follow um, my co-host tonight at uh, KFFSC on Twitter, as well as uh, at Jay Farrell Elliott at Dave Turp. Dave Tripoli and Farrell Elliott joining me shortly. Uh, I want to thank Rob uh, to uh, for getting us started tonight. Greetings and salutations. Uh, it is the fifth, number five episode of six extra special episodes we have for you tonight. It's the 2023 Pros vs. Joe's Grace's Secret. We're going to cover it for the entire duration tonight. Uh, so make sure that you are following along all the way to the bitter end. Once again, 12 teams, 20 rounds. One team will win an FFPC main event squad in 2024 for free to go for a million dollars. Don't forget, you don't have to wait until 2024 to go for a million dollars. You can go for a million dollars right now at myffpc.com in the Fantasy Pros Championship, just $350 to enter, or the FFPC main event, which is what all these guys are gunning for tonight, a 2024 free main event entry. Uh, you can register for that right now at myffpc.com. Live drafts kick off on Friday. We already got the slow drafts going on right now. It is your ticket to a million-dollar grand prize. I want to uh, shout out to the chat room right now, everybody who is watching. Thanks you, thank you so much for hanging out with us on YouTube, on Twitter, on Facebook. Let's bring in. Uh, tonight's guest, the well-experienced, the well-spoken Dave Terpoli, and of course, the definitive commissioner of fantasy football, Farrell Elliott. Terp, Farrell, welcome in, man. So glad to so glad to have you guys on tonight. Terp, we're coming in as a duet. Wouldn't want it any other way. Me neither, baby. Me neither. Let's get this show on the road. Yeah, well, we got a broadcast professional to lead us. Uh, I mean, he is our captain. Yes, sir. He certainly is. Well, did you enjoy the show last night? Were you part of that uh, great conversation? I was off the air last night, but no I did watch it this morning. They did a really good job. Okay. Well, you, good for you, brother. I tell you what, you're looking quite well this evening. I'm nursing a little bit of a hangover. Went out with my friends yesterday. Not great. I'm <laughs> feeling great right now. I like how, Farrell, you said, oh, we got a broadcast professional to lead us as my camera peters out, which is always great. Sure. That's what you want to see here on the show. All right. I want to, let's bring in, uh, I think I got the draft board right here and we can bring up, these guys are uh, going fast and furious tonight. So I'll take everybody through the, um, through the first round and then we'll get your, your input on this guys. Um, there we go. Okay. 
So number one, just <clears throat> oh, by the way, I should uh, bring up the uh, the drafters tonight. Rick Raymaker, the FFPC Joe at one takes Justin Jefferson, a trio of uh, fantasy alarmers. Kevin Tompkins, Britt Flynn, and Andrew Cooper at the two spot tonight. They end up going with Travis Kelsey, Christian McCaffrey to Rob Vieira, former guest of this show. Uh, show. He is drafting from the third spot tonight. Hitting cleanup is J.J. Zacharyson from late round fantasy football. He is drafting Jamar Chase at the 104 tonight, followed by Bijan Robinson to Jay Cohen, who is going to be joining us in about, oh, I'd say about 15 minutes or so here, maybe a little bit sooner. Scott Connor from Dynasty and Chill. Destination Debbie takes Tyreek Hill after that. Cooper Cup off the board to the aptly named Daniel Cups uh, tonight. Daniel Cups takes Cooper Cup at the 107. Josh Hayes from Rotoballer has Devontae Adams at the 108, followed by Austin Eckler to Craig Magnuson and Tim Marks uh, at the 109. Jared Smola from Drasharks.com takes Stefan Diggs. Saquon Barkley makes an appearance to uh, in the first round tonight to Raymond Mencio and Mike Lashane at the 111. And Pat Corain, LegendaryUpside.com's takes A.J. Brown. Farrell, we'll, we'll throw this to you right away. Saquon Barkley making an appearance in the first round tonight. What do you make of that fresh off of his signing that one-year deal? Hey, man, he's there. Why not? Sure. That's where he belongs. Um, that's where he belongs with a chip on his shoulder and his fresh off one-year deal. So good for him and, and good drafting there. I like him better than any of the backs that went behind him. Uh, Turf, I, I don't know if I've asked you specifically this, but if, if you have the 102, Justin Jefferson's off the board, like the Alarmers had Tompkins, Flynn, and Cooper here tonight at the 102, is Kelsey the slam dunk pick, or would you think long and hard about McCaffrey and Chase? It's Jamar Chase for me. I don't mind Kelsey. He would be a close, you know, second choice. But, I mean, Chase to me has just monster, monster upside that Kelsey still has, but there, there are still the questions. He's getting up there in age. You know, he's a little feisty in camp so far. Yeah. <laughs> One, you always want to get there a year early, and and I think Kelsey oh, is that year early stuff. He's not, he's not somebody that I'm going to fade this year, but he's definitely somebody that I'll take a couple guys over him. Let's uh, let's move into the second round here tonight, guys. Uh, Amon Ross, St. Brown to Pat Green at the 201. C.D. Lamb off the board to uh, Mencio and Lushane at the 202. Nick Chubb falls to the 203 tonight. Jared Smola has now gone Diggs and Chubb with his first two picks. Mark Andrews, second tight end, off the board tonight to Magnuson and Marks at the 204. Jameer Gibbs, we're going to talk about him in a second, is Aiden LaCorey already chiming in on the chat. Hey, we can keep this. Gibbs is going to keep rising conversation. Josh Hayes from Rotoballer. I talk to them every Friday morning on SiriusXM. We're going to be talking about this Jameer Gibbs pick for sure at the 205 tonight. Garrett Wilson falls to the 206, followed by Jay. Jalen Waddle, Scott Connor from Dynasty and Chill. Destination Debbie starts off his draft with two Miami Dolphins receivers. Tony Pollard after that to Jay Cohen, Devontae Smith, Derrick Henry going off the board after that. You're looking at Devontae Smith to JJ Zacharyson from late round QB. And then Derrick Henry to Rob Vieira, Patrick Mahomes. Uh, going to the Fantasy Alarmers at two. That's Tompkins, Flynn, and Cooper. They get their chief stack there. And then Chris Olave entering uh, the, uh, beg your pardon, the late second round tonight. Chris Olave going off the board at the 212. Uh, Turf, Jameer Gibbs at the 205. I've been saying all pros versus Joes. Uh, all the drafts we've done so far, this is the fifth one. I said Gibbs is going to keep climbing. I did not see him climbing this far, this fast, as he goes off the board tonight. At the 205, what do you think the impact on people, the FFPC drafters, whether they're drafting for a million bucks in the Fantasy Pro Championship, whether they're drafting for a million bucks in the FFPC main event, they look at this PVJ board tonight, they see Gibbs at the 205. What kind of an impact is this going to have? The hype is out of control right now. Every day you see a different, you know, 
puff piece that makes him look really, really good. And it's really hard to deny. I mean, I'm not taking him over Tony Pollard, but I think he's going to stay in the, in the second round. I don't think he's, you're going to see many Jameer Gibbs third round picks up until August, until September when we're drafting in Vegas. I like the pick. Um, it's definitely a go get your guy type of situation. He probably doesn't come back. Um, in the future, he's definitely not going to come back. And, and if he does anything in the preseason, I could see him sneaking up a little bit more. I, I, I think it's it's interesting, Farrell, as we look at this Gibbs pick here. Um, I'm, I'm in the um, uh, Kentucky KFFSE uh, main event that just slow draft that just went off a few days ago. And we're in the early third round. And I don't remember Gibbs being taken at all there. But when you look at Gibbs, whether it's KFFSE, whether it's FFPC, what is this guy's true ADP? Where should it be based on how you think this guy is going to finish the season? We'll push him down a little bit in Kentucky because of the need to start three receivers, probably there, uh, Waddle and Smith, and maybe even Alave would go in front of him. I yeah, I agree with Terp. You, you cannot argue with it. However, there is a whole lot of hype here on mm-hmm. the player, and there's just so many good players. What it does Whatever you think about that pick, what it does is it allows Pollard and Henry to go in the second part of the second round. And, and tonight, the, the the players that are already convinced that they're going to start running back are now shopping and finding themselves with Pollard and Henry options. You know, we've, we've got a player here with who starts McCaffrey-Henry. Um, now we got a player that starts Robinson-Pollard. Those guys, to me, seem to have a great step up in this competition of this 12. And I think that that proves, uh, I think that'll prove over this lengthy season to be a much more valuable decision. I, uh, can I talk a little bit about Alave? Yes, please. I just, Farrell, I just took him in the KFFSC main event. Slow draft that's fun. All right. Here's my second round pick. So please. Balky, maybe we shouldn't talk about a lot of it. We'll just, we'll, we'll just, we'll just go. All right. Now, this I'll is take, where- I'm going to eat my vegetables. I'm going to take my medicine right now. Farrell, tell me why Olave has you on, on shaky ground with drafting him early. At this time of the year, uh, I like to look at things that I've been believing for, you know, and now joining you on the show that I've been believing for weeks and weeks and talking about. And, and you know, Olave is just one of the players that I absolutely love. But you know, I look at the I look at the situation of what he did last year. How better is his situation this year with the returning receiver, uh, a quarterback that did not wow us uh, with the Raiders, and everything was supposed to be perfect for him. Now I think he's an upgrade over what they've had at New Orleans. The injury issue kind of bothers me a little bit. It, it seems to be lingering somewhat for him. And then you've got the Kamara situation. You put all those things together and you say, do I see this player 90, 95 catches? Do I see him moving beyond the touchdowns he had last year? Do I see double-digit touchdowns from him? And quite honestly, I just can't, I just can't say that that's a lock. Where there's other receivers in this second round where I feel that's a lock and even more and even a higher ceiling. Um, and you look at you look at Higgins, Ridley, Cooper. The guys that are going later, and you say, man, I don't know. Those guys could have, at a lower price, could have the same kind of season that Alave has. And then, and that's, yeah. So I'm wondering if, I wonder how often I'm going to draft him that high. That's, that's. 
And and I think that's interesting because let's let's face it, I love Kentucky. I'm gonna be drafting multiple teams in Kentucky, so I got to get at least a little bit of a share of an Olave. But I still I, I'm still representing. Um, I, I like Olave this year. I like the improvement from the quarterback position. I, I like the fact that Derek Carr really seemed to target his number one receiver over the past few years in in Las Vegas and in Oakland. So I like it there, and and we'll see what happens with Olave as he goes to Serenity now, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Serenity now the pick. Uh, the first overall pick tonight, Rick Raymaker, grabs him as his turnaround team. Let's get through the third round here. Jalen Hurts at, at the 301 to Rick Raymaker. Uh, T. Higgins off the board is the first receiver drafted by the Fantasy Alarm. Jonathan Taylor, the third straight running back drafted by Rob Vieira. He falls to the 303 tonight. Ramondre Stevenson at the 304, followed by Calvin Ridley, the first receiver, drafted by one J. Cohen, the FFPC Joe there. Josh Allen and TJ Hawkinson off the board after that. Uh, Scott Connor decides, oh, maybe I could get Tunga Vailoa later, but I'm going to take Josh Allen here. He gets him at uh, 305 tonight, 306, beg your pardon. TJ Hawkinson off the board as the third tight end, the first tight end drafted by Daniel Cups. Amari Cooper, DK Metcalf, and Keenan Allen. Little mini receiver run here. Cooper to Hayes, Metcalf to um, uh, Magnuson, Marks, and then Keenan Allen to Smola. Josh Jacobs and Brees Hall wrap up the third round. Terp, let's talk about it here. What do you make of Rob Vieira's team at the three spot tonight? McCaffrey at the 103, okay, perfect. Derrick Henry makes sense at the 210, and then he gets Jonathan Taylor at the 303. I feel like this is how FFPC Joes have continued their stranglehold over the FFPC pros in this competition over the years. I love to start from Vieira. How do you feel about it? I 100% agree. There's nothing you can say negative about it. I mean, taking Jonathan Taylor obviously brings risk, but we saw a couple drafts before Saquon Barkley fall into the mid-third round. Jonathan Taylor has no leverage. Obviously, he's young, talented, and all that good stuff, but where is his leverage? No team's giving up a big asset to trade for Jonathan Taylor and then pay him. He'll be in the Colts or he'll be sitting out. There's no other option. No team's going to give up a second round, first round pick, you know, anything of that sort for him and not to pay him money, especially with the salary cap, you know, being tight right now for a lot of these teams that would actually make the move. So I love what team three did. No. And, and like you said, if you're not first here, it doesn't really matter. Yeah. Taking Jonathan Taylor there makes total sense. Farrell, what do you make of the uh, Calvin Ridley pick here in the uh, third round to uh, Jay Cohen? Um, starts off his draft with with Robinson and Pollard, obviously two upside running backs there. And then he gets Ridley. I have already made my feelings known, and we'll talk with Jay Cohen when we have him on here, but I have already made my feelings known about Calvin Ridley. I'm kind of nervous about him this year, missing all this time, and he keeps climbing up tonight. He goes early in the third round at the 305 tonight. Is that a spot that you could be in business with him, or is that a, a place that you're going to look for somebody else? I think so, because I want him on at least one of my teams, uh, best ball or managed teams. Uh, this was a player I wanted to wait and see uh, how he acted in camp, and I'm, I'm sold on Jacksonville. I'm impressed on Jacksonville. Jacksonville's coming to camp with reliable players, professional players, and a good environment. This, this really didn't do anything wrong particularly except a judgment mistake. And so, you know, that that can be forgiven. And he, he's looking – he comes in with the chip on his shoulder and ready to make a difference with a fantastic quarterback. Um, I, I like this a lot. I, I think that Ridley um, – I've warmed up to it throughout the year, and, and I have watched what's happened in the very first few days of camp. And the quarterbacks down there have struggled a little bit. He's he's working to he's working to bring the one and two guy together down there. So yeah, I'm all I'm all aboard with Ridley. 
Terp, uh, Josh Allen to Scott Connor from uh, Destination Debbie, Dynasty Trades in Five, uh, Dynasty League Football. I look at Josh Allen there when he already has the two Dolphins receivers. Is Allen worth is 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 the squeeze of the orange worth the juice in Josh <laughs> Allen here in the mid third when you know that he's probably going to be targeting Tunga Vailoa to try to go ham on this draft and cash in a big season from the Dolphins and win a 2024 FFPC main event entry? Is Allen the way you would have went there? I think it probably I probably would have passed him, but I don't mind the pick. Allen's kind of the forgetting forgotten quarterback right now. Everybody talks about Hurts. Everybody talks about Mahomes. Everybody's talking about Herbert and Lamar after him. He's the kind of guy that's kind of just getting pushed around that third round, not really getting pushed up at all. I like him. I mean, obviously, without digs, we always talk about stacking and all that good stuff, but it makes sense. And you can you can definitely get some Kincaids of the world, the Gabe Davises of the world, James Cook later, guys like that that could mix yourself in. I personally wouldn't make the pick, but there's nothing wrong with that pick. The third round's kind of ugly. There's a lot of guys who kind of all look the same. I don't really think it's as sexy as, you know, obviously, you know, some of the other rounds that we're drafting. I think there's a lot of guys in there. DK Metcalf, Amari Cooper, Keenan Allen, I know. Mr. Elliott loves a bunch. Hawkinson, I mean, they all, none of them are really, like, exciting players to draft. But, I mean, Josh Allen, I'm fine with it, but I'm probably not making the pick personally. Uh, Go ahead, Carol. I see so much difference in the players in the third round. They're all uniquely different. They're in, and you're seeing thing? them to be all the same. I don't quite get this. I don't see. I, hey, I mean, you know, Keenan Allen's moving up. There's another one of the Allen brothers. I know you don't like him. Well, I, I just don't. I, you, you, you know, everyone talks, and you said it. You, you want to be a year early on it, you know. And I, I think, I think there's other talents in that on that team that will uh, contribute more for fantasy players. I I want to get to the fourth round because there's a lot there to comment on. Uh, okay, right. but Farrell, before we get there, I just want to pick Terps brain on one final thing here. Um, Raymond CEO and uh, Mike Lushane at the 311 tonight end up taking Barkley. Well, they took Barkley at the 111, but then they double down and they get Jacobs at the 311. Josh Jacobs, who has a non-zero chance of falling on the sword for running backs this year. And then Barkley, a guy who... Maybe he doesn't fight through every soft tissue injury this year as well. How do you look at, when you look at Team 11's uh, squad right now, as far as the running backs go, Barkley and Jacobs, in a perfect world, in a vacuum, that looks great. But we don't live in a perfect world. We don't live in a vacuum. We live in reality. What do you make of the Barkley and Jacobs start here from the 11 spot at running back? I've heard that common take saying that these guys won't give it their all if they're hurt. They're not going to really push through it. I don't believe it whatsoever. These guys have no leverage. I've said it a hundred times. I'll say it a hundred more times. They have zero leverage whatsoever. They're probably never getting paid. And they're probably going to get franchised again next year. There's no reason to pay them until something gets figured out with the, with the, with the players association. It's not going to happen. So these guys are saying like off there, they have a sprained toe. They're going to stay out a couple of times. They're not going to push it. I don't think Saquon Barkley's made like that. I think he's going to be out there giving it his all. You saw him camp day one. He was out there. I mean, not not you know, not risking anything crazy, but Jacobs, I mean, he could try to, you know, take a stand, but I don't see it. I mean, he's another guy who had coming off a monster year. He's gonna get a big paycheck with the franchise tag that he probably shouldn't get. And he huh? would never get on the and he would never get on the on the open market. Josh <laughs> Jacobs is not a top five running back in this league. He's just not. Oh goodness. There's there's blast you're saying he is right now. Wait, 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 you're saying Josh Jacobs is a top five running back in the NFL currently? Um, well, he was last year. 
And um, we don't live. Know, we don't live off last year. Well, still be oh. determined what he is this year. He's the same player. Um, and uh, yeah, last, I, last I year was the perfect storm with Josh Jacobs. I'm not saying he, I, I like him this year. I'm not saying he's going to be a downgrade to anything. What were the elements of that storm? Which way were the winds blowing? Was it more tornado or hurricane? Expanding (laughs) the nature of the storm. Did another running back get another carry? I mean, I don't remember many. All right. So, so two, so, so I, I, the point that Terp is making here on Jacobs, I, I think it is somewhat valid here when you consider that the fact that Jacobs has been in the league for how long? And he never had a year like this before. And I always right. You know, and so he could be in he could be an ascending talent. But you know, he Turner, could be. You're, you're could, in ahead, commentary Trump. there. You're in. You started. I was so proud because when when you said you weren't buying it that these guys wouldn't give their all. That's what you you were so brilliant there. And then you <laughs> kept talking. And then, but but you were so brilliant when you said that, and you're exactly right, these guys play for each other. They play for the team. They play for the guys at the locker room. And if you're not that kind of player, you don't play. All right. They also play play for money. Let's call what it is. They're playing for another contract. They can't sit out. No, that's that's not – that's truly not what motivates all these players. Once that's done – yeah, that's a whole nother thing. But I want to talk about the fourth round because I, I know, Farrell, Farrell, I, I know you do, and we're going to get to the fourth round. I'm going to give you first first crack at it here. Okay. But my final point on this is is I don't necessarily think either one of you is wrong. But I do say this: beware the career year. Josh Jacobs had a career year last year. Yeah. Could he be ascending talent? Absolutely, he could. He could be. He could be just scraping the surface. There's a non-zero chance of that. Historically, what have we seen from running backs who break out like Jacobs did last year? It's not necessarily a great track record of, of years after that of, of being really, really good. So while I don't disagree with you that Jacobs could be a great pick here in the late third round, I also could see the potential for downfall. That's all I'm going to say about it. Well, that. it was bad for Jonathan Taylor. Uh, you know, his 2021, his 2022 was was not so good. Derrick Henry got hurt after his biggest year. Uh, Barclay went from 2,000 to about 1,400 yards. Mm-hmm. Um but uh, a lot of these players going much higher than Jacobs. My point is that Jacobs is coming off the fresh year. These players, these players had a lesser year. Of course, Henry had had a better year than a lot of these guys going. It's just, yeah. All right, we've waited long enough. Let's go through the fourth round here. Lamar Jackson off the board to Pat Corain at the four hundred one. Kyle Pitts right after that to Mencio and Mike Luchain. Uh, Joe Mixon at the 403 tonight to Jared Smola. DeAndre Hopkins, second receiver drafted by Magnuson and Marks. Justin Herbert is going to be starting at quarterback for Josh Hayes from Roto Baller. Travis Etienne, the first running back drafted by Daniel Cups, followed by another running back and also the first running back drafted by Scott Connor. Dynasty until a destination. Debbie Najee Harris goes off the board there. Uh, Justin Fields creeps up into the sixth round or into the fourth round tonight at the 40, no, 409. Yeah, exactly. Um, no, am I reading this right? God, I I, I am not reading this right. 412, no. 410, 408. Good Lord. Christian Watson. I got distracted. Christian Watson. Huge guys, mistake uh, you made there, Bob. I know. I was passing. Christian Watson Terrible. caught a 60-yard touchdown from Jordan Love in practice today, and I'm still – I got the highlight playing in my mind. Nice yeah, I tingle. know you did, Terp. I saw I saw the forgetting Sarah Marshall. I saw that right away. <laughs> that I showed I up to everybody. Real quick. I'm, I'm like, I'm like oh, hey, guys, like this guy, he's a big Eagles fan, but he loves the Packers offense this year. I showed everybody at my radio station there all geeking out on it. It was great. It was a great tweet. Debo Samuel right after that to Rob Vieira, Jerry Judy, and then Dallas Goddard finished the fourth round. 
to uh, the Fantasy Alarmers, Tompkins, Flint, and Cooper, and then Dallas Goddard, final pick in the fourth round. Okay, Farrell, have at it. What picks uh, in the fourth round do you want to talk about here, man? Team 11 was on their way. Team 11 was really, really on their way. Uh, and then Kyle Pitts. I, um, you know, Kyle Pitts is coming out of injury. I, I, I talked to fantasy players. They, you know, the injury was late. I think sometimes people might be forgetting his injured status. I, I want him to show up and show up for camp and show up for the preseason. He's still got a knee brace on. You know, I mean, Terp wants to talk about Jacobs. And I, I it's so far as rating players as being a top five running back, let's go further. I don't know if Kyle Pitts, based on availability and history, I don't know if he's a top 10 tight end. And look at some of these tight ends tonight that he is going in front of. It's it, And uh, if you believe in the player, um, fine, but you can get much better, sure production later without paying for it. You can get you another position player here. And it's not just Team 11, it's, it's – most everyone, the latest we've seen him go is in, I think, is the middle of the fifth round. And some, I think we need to start talking about Pitts. If, I'm willing to listen to some positive things about him, but I don't necessarily uh, see where they are. And um, this is a big position in this contest. And it's I agree limited. With everything to, you're saying. And it's limited to top players. And this is not one of the top players. Uh, All especially, right. Okay. All right, Farrell, I'll, I'll give you something positive here. And, and I'm not sure how positive it is, but I'll, I'll try to make a case for it here. You got FFPC Joes here, accomplished FFPC main event players, Raymond Mencio and Mike Lushane drafting from the 11th spot. Mm -hmm. They have looked at a lot. I, I feel like they're just every single pick is upside, upside, upside. Barkley, massive upside, maybe too much on the upside, given that they took him at the 111. But CeeDee Lamb, a guy who could be getting 160, 170 targets easily in Dallas this year. Josh Jacobs a guy that is being undervalued by the rest of high-stakes fantasy football. They get him at the end of the third round. And then Kyle Pitts, again, a guy who had a pretty successful rookie year, got cut short last year because of injury. And you look at what Atlanta could be this year and the fact that he's entering his third year. He has never been more experienced. He should be healthy coming off the injury. I, I just look at now – is this a, a team that you should be drafting in the FFPC main event where there are multiple ways to get to the championship round? Maybe not. But when you are going for broke and you have to hit on on, on several of these picks and, and you have to finish first, otherwise you don't win anything, I can see the argument for taking pits here in the early fourth. Not saying it's it's a sound argument, but I definitely can't disagree with it. And Turp, I'll, I'll throw it to you for your thoughts on that. I mean, I agree with mostly everything he said, except that Kyle Pitts is not a top tight end in the league. Talent-wise, he might be the most talented in the league. But the quarterback's so bad. The coach I don't trust. He's coming off the injury, like yeah. you said. There's a lot of red flags that are there. Bijan's going to – I mean, you want to talk about a guy that I'm, I'm surprised hasn't been steamed up more. We talk about Jameer Gibbs. Bijan Robinson has had so many. Every day it's a new – you know, practice highlight of him, you know, juking our linebacker, making this catch, making that catch. I'm surprised he's not getting pushed up, but he's going to take a lot of, a lot of the, a lot of the fire away from Kyle Pitts, in my opinion. So, Quarterback's not that bad, Terp. And you know what? Desmond Ritter together, is not good. He, uh -huh. he put together, well, you don't know. He's played four games and he put together That's some fair. Stats. That's fair. He, he won two, he lost two, but you know what? He did not have the availability of this Kyle Pitts to prove what he can do. Now, if Kyle Pitts is anything but like everyone expects him to be, 
<laughs> you know, because in the games he started last year, Pitts wasn't there. And so we'll see. We will see on that. Uh, we're through the fifth round here, guys. Terry McLaurin led things off with Rick Raymaker um, as his uh, 501 is the third receiver he drafted. McLaurin, Aaron Jones. Um, yeah, Aaron Jones falling to the 502. I got to bring this up on a bigger screen. StreamYard is killing me here. Darren Waller at the 503 tonight to Rob Vieira as his first tight end. Little mini receiver run here. Drake London, Kyle Pitts' real-life teammate, goes to J.J. Zacharyson from late-round quarterback. D.J. Moore off the board to Jay Cohen after that. Brandon Ayuk to Scott Connor from Dynasty and Chill as his number three receiver. George Kittle, first team to double up on tight ends tonight, is indeed Daniel Cups, the FFPC Joe. He gets Hawkinson in the third. He gets Kittle in the fifth. Miles Sanders joining Jameer Gibbs in the backfield for Josh Hayes. Mike Williams after that to, um, <coughs> excuse me, uh, Craig Magnuson and Tim Marks as their number three receiver. Joe Burrow going to be tossed in the rock to Diggs Allen et al. for Jared Smola from DraftSharks.com. Chris Godwin after that to join CeeDee Lamb in the wide receivers room for Mencio and Lushane, and then Kenneth Walker, the final pick of the fifth round. And, and Farrell, let me throw this to you first. So in that KFFSC main event I'm in right now, I, I want to say Kenneth Walker was either a late second or an early third round pick. Tonight he falls to the final pick of the fifth round. Our FFPC players hating on and letting Kenneth Walker drop too far, even with the injury news right now. I would think the injury news is is going to make drafters like this player a little better, and I I've always liked this player, so I don't I don't get it. Uh, but uh, yeah, wherever he's available, there, and so you can get him at a bargain, get him. Terp, how do you feel about Kenneth Walker right now, knowing what we know out of Seattle with the injury news? You're getting a discount. You got to take it. I mean, he, he's a talented guy. I, obviously, Charbonnet is hurt too. Not a lot of information from either, you know, the coach that's giving you much outside. They're, they're probably both out a couple of weeks, I would think. I don't think that either of them have any issues when it comes to season, you know, being ready for the season. But we don't know that yet. So, I mean, you're going to get both of these guys at discounts right now. And, I mean, if you're starting, you know, heavy receiver, Kenneth Walker's a perfect person. If you can get him in the fifth round, I've seen him fall to the sixth in a couple drafts. I mean, that's just an outstanding value. Kenneth Walker in the FFPC best ball tournament, his ADP running back 17 at the 502. So right now, Pat Corain got almost a full round of value here. Those ADP values brought to you by FantasyMojo.com, at FantasyMojo on Twitter. Darren Armani, the godfather of the pros versus Joes, helps put this together every single year. Anytime we cite ADPs or anything else stack-worthy on the program tonight, as far as stats go, it's always due to FantasyMojo.com. Be sure to check that out and make sure you're getting a subscription there uh, because if you are an FFPC player, it will help you out a lot. To Terp's point, Kenneth Walker has tumbled to the 601 over the last three days uh, in the FFPC Best Ball Tournament. I'm sure prior to that or probably in the FFPC Main Event Fantasy Pros Championship, he's actually even been later than that as well. So that's what you're looking at with Kenneth Walker. Let's get to the sixth round. Guys, right after uh, Pat Corain takes Kenneth Walker, he goes with his real-life teammate, Jackson Smith and Jigba as his number three receiver. The number one quarterback drafted by Mencio and Lushane, the FFPC Joes in the 11th spot, will be Trevor Lawrence. Another Seattle Seahawk goes off the board. His name is Tyler Lockett, and Draft Sharks' Jared Smola takes him tonight at the 603. Damian Pierce, the second running back drafted by uh, Marks and Magnuson there at the uh, 604, followed by Evan Engram. Uh, for Josh Hayes from Rotoballer, that's his number one tight end. J.K. Dobbins to Daniel Cubs, followed by a bunch of receivers here, guys. Uh, stay with me on this one. Scott Connor takes Christian Kirk. George Pickens goes to Jay Cohen. J.J. Zacharyson uh, drafts Deontay Johnson. Marquise Brown is selected by Rob Vieira. And then 
Fantasy Alarmers, Kevin Tompkins, Andrew Cooper, Britt Flynn, they take Michael Pittman here with the penultimate pick of the sixth round, followed by David Montgomery, the first running back drafted by Rick Raymaker. Farrell, what do you make of Raymaker here, a guy who has won a lot in the FFPC over the years? He doesn't take a running back until the sixth round. He gets an elite quarterback. He gets an elite tight end here. And then Montgomery is his number one running back. What do you make of this start here, this very unique start from Rick Raymaker in the one hole? I think it's good. I um, I look at the running backs in, in the round that followed, and, and I I could be sold on Montgomery here. I, I think when we see him draft in the double-digit rounds, he's going to find a lot of pass-catching talent at tight end, and that can fill that second spot for him, and that can get him past some bad weeks um, if he needs it. And I, I think he's probably got – a running back that he feels he can hit on uh, maybe coming up even before the double digit round. So I, I think, uh, yeah, I, I can live with that. And I, I think Montgomery does well in his new surroundings. Terp, let's talk about these Seattle receivers here for a second. Tyler Lockett on average goes at the six eleven in the FFPC best ball tournament tonight. He goes at the six Oh three Jackson Smith and Jigba normally goes at the seven Oh three. He got drafted by Pat Garain all hall. All the way up at the 601 tonight. That that's almost a full round of reach there. And I guess you got to get your guys, but what do you make of JSN going ahead of Tyler Lockett in this draft tonight? He's just another guy that we keep talking about preseason, you know, camp bits that you keep seeing on Twitter all over of him just, you know, making plays, and that's all great. And I'm a JSN over Lockett guy. But 601 seems a little rich for my blood, especially some of the guys he passed on. Um, but, you know, JSN has so much talent. I, I think there's a world where he's a, the leading receiver on that team this year. Yeah, Kareem could have had Pittman, Marquise Brown, Deontay Johnson, Christian Kirk, George Pickens. He ends up going with JSN. Oh, by the way, could have had Tyler Lockett there. He went with JSN. That's something we'll be following uh, going forward here. Let's get into the seventh round. Rashad White is the second consecutive running back drafted by Rick Raymaker, followed by Jordan Addison as the fourth receiver uh, selected by the fantasy alarmers from the two hole tonight. Cam Akers falls all the way to the 703. Followed by, by, yeah, it was crazy. Uh, Jahan Dotson, this is an interesting pick. JJ Zekarisen only has one running back on his squad through seven rounds, and he's got, uh, count him, uh, Six receivers? Yeah, six receivers. We'll get to that in a, in a second. I want to ask Farrell about that. David Njoku is the starting tight end for Jay Cohen here from the uh, five-hole tonight. Uh, Alexander Madison joining Najee Harris in the backfield for Scott Connor. Pat Fryermuth, the third tight end. Nobody else has even doubled up on tight end yet tonight. <laughs> and we get Daniel Cups drafting a third tight end from the seven-hole tonight. You got to love it. James Connor after that to Josh Hayes. Deshaun Watson to uh, Craig Magnuson and Tim Marks as their number one quarterback. Mike Evans off the board as the number four receiver, followed by James Cook and DeAndre Swift to complete the seventh round, going to Mencio and Lushane and Pat Corain, respectively. Okay, Farrell. Let's, I, I'll tell you what. Let's throw, let's throw the tight end conversation with you uh, here first. So he's got – now, remember, in the FFPC, uh, even in pros versus Joes, you only have to start two receivers every week. He's already got Cup and Wilson, so he's got two locked in, you would think, um, for sure top 15 receivers this year, maybe two top 10 receivers there, and now he's pounding these other positions. But what do you make of Hawkinson, Kittle, and Friermuth, Farrell? He couldn't resist, and he won. And, 
And, you know, he wants to be the top. He, he's playing keep away. Maybe he wants to be the top 12. Uh, you know, he wants, he wants to be number one out of 12, and he figures that by hoarding the tight end market, he can get there. And, uh, Balky, you, you watch more of these than anyone. Perhaps you can say that uh, that is a philosophy that has worked in the past. And, you know, he's going to make everyone else have to dig uh, through late uh, tight ends. And, you know, I wrote down four of them. So when we get to the 17th <laughs> round, we can talk about them. But uh, uh, I, uh, I'm, I would be tempted to do that. I probably wouldn't like doing it. But I would be tempted to do that. But, you know, I see a lot of other players going around here that I would have wanted for my squad. So I wouldn't have done it, but I can see why he did. You know, and as I think back to pros versus Joe's history, I always remember, in fact, uh, uh, Farrell, our mutual buddy, Craig Campbell, a guy who's extremely successful in both the KFFSC and the FFPC. In fact, won an FFPC best ball tournament this past year. I remember he was one of the few, and I've, I've probably only seen it happen uh, maybe two or three times over the course of the last decade, plus in the pros versus the Joes. But he started off his draft with three straight tight ends. And as far as what I can remember, I know Greg uh, Greg Hanter, uh, Crack Rock, has done that before in some some high-stakes main events uh, in, in national contests as well. And as far as I can remember, Farrell, it has not proved fruitful to start off your draft with three tight ends. But I don't have the numbers on drafting three tight ends within the first seven rounds, because I think that's interesting. And Terp, listen, we've covered a lot of your drafts here, uh, whether it be a best ball tournament, whether it be a fantasy pros championship. But if you are drafting, and this guy, uh, Daniel Cups, is right in the middle tonight. If you're drafting in a tournament like this and you're on the end, uh, you know, think of a, a guy like uh, Rick Raymaker on at the one, or or maybe even more specifically, Pat Corain at the 12, or maybe Smola at the 10. They don't have any tight ends on, on their roster. You see a guy drafting three tight ends in the middle. How does your draft strategy change at that point if you're one of these squads without a tight end? I don't think you really worry at all because we've talked about it. There's a bunch of tight ends that are later that I feel like could be top 10 options by the time the season's over. We found, I mean, obviously a guy like Evan Ingram last year. There's always going to be that that guy that comes out of nowhere that is going to be a top five to 10 tight end. There's plenty of guys that I like later. I don't think there's any reason to panic. I mean, after the first, after the Kittles, you know, tier, Ingram, Najoku, Fryerman, they kind of look the same. Are they that much different than guys that are going, you know, three, four rounds later? It's debatable. So to me, I'm not worried about it at all. I, I, I would be happy waiting on tight end, even in this format. You can take a bunch of them. You don't got to start somebody. And I feel like you're, you're, you're not going to be that far behind the field. Yeah, and, and and I think the other thing I want to bring up here is as we look in this, you know, the, the seventh round specifically, Farrell, a nice little fall and a nice little get here. Once again, from Rob Vieira, cashing in on some value. He got some value with Jonathan Taylor in the third round. He's getting more value with Cam Akers here in the seventh. I don't know your thoughts on Cam Akers, Farrell, but, you know, even if you are not a fan, early seventh round for a dude who's going to see the volume that he should see in Los Angeles, uh, I'm on board with that, and I like the selection there by Vieira. He's had a rocky history, but he seems like he's straightened it out now. So, yeah, if he shows up and plays, that's that's a fantastic situation. Mm-hmm. It's going to be interesting to see who are some of the players that he matches uh, with Marquise Brown. I like what he's done at tight end early. It's a very, very good team. There's a lot of teams that I like here. Uh, I think, you know, we're in, we're in the fifth iteration of these shows, and I think the drafting is – is dead on spot and very, very competitive of all the leagues that have drafted so far. 
uh, this one would be the one where you don't have the breakaway winner, where Terp can't predict who the winner is. I see some very, very good teams. I think there's three teams that are standing yeah. out in my eyes. Yeah, you knew you very, very good, very well drafted. I'm Terp, seeing Terp, some great. You know, Terp, Terp, we're through eight rounds here. Who are the three teams? Just curiously, so we can revisit them later. Team two, team four, is, and team five. Okay, so team two is Kevin Tompkins, Britt Flynn, and Andrew Cooper from Fantasy Alarm. J.J. Zacharyson from Late Round Quarterback is team four. And then team five is Jay Cohen, who's going to join us. I, I misspoke before. He's going to join us in about 20 minutes or so. Actually, a little bit less than that. He's going to join us after uh, the 10th round. Jay Cohen's going to come on and talk about his team from the five spot. I'm sorry, Terry, if I interrupted you. Go, go ahead. Team four might be my favorite. Okay. I mean, they, they don't have an elite. They don't have an elite quarterback, yeah. so they're obviously behind the eight ball there. Right. But and the tight the end receivers, too. I think I think they're fine at tight end. I, like we like we talked about the tier that that these guys are. Is there really a difference between Evan Ingram and Greg Dolchitz? Three rounds later. Yes, I, I don't see it. Yeah, yeah no. Farrell's saying there is. Farrell, what's the difference you see between Evan Ingram and Greg? Evan Ingram has to deal with three guy, four guys, you know, ahead of yeah, him. Evan Ingram. Evan Ingram's playing in an offense that is designed to rock. He did it last I year. I, I love his himself, offense, and he's got the greatest quarterback of that he's youthful group. With a lot more targets of that youthful group, and he'll get the targets. This is Ridley Kirksey Jones as to what's going to happen in Denver. It's a complete mystery, and it's a player in the indulgence that, that has some physical limitations that he experienced in his first year. Ingram, uh, it took me a long time to warm up with uh, for Ingram. I didn't necessarily uh, appreciate him as a giant. I really appreciate him now. It's a huge difference. Huge difference. He's a lot of guys he's got to get targets against. Huge, yeah. de- huge difference in those players. Guys, hey, they, uh, they got guys playing other positions in Denver too, Terp. I, we don't like them as much as the guys in Jacksonville. But he they can, got he other can easily be the number two receiver on that team. Easily, pardon me. He could the tight end could easily be the number two receiver on that team right yeah, now. He could be, just he lost could two receivers today. Number, he could easily be the number two uh, receiver in Jacksonville. Oh, with pat with catches, mm, not yards. I don't see that. It could happen. Um, it's possible, but. Look up the numbers from last year. That was last year. There was no Calvin Ridley last well, year. Well, see, but the difference is you pepper a lot of re- receivers into a mix, but you have one tight end. The tight end position is very, very important. It That's differs fair. from the receiver positions, and there's a lot of good receivers on that team. There's only one really good tight end on that receiver, and that's why they paid him all that money. Fair. Guys, guys, let me ask you this because Cortland Sutton just went off the board at the 908 tonight to Josh Hayes and Rotoballer. Unfortunate news coming out of Denver today. Not only um is did Tim Patrick probably tear his Achilles and get a miss the 2023 season, but they released KJ Hamler, uh their former second round pick today, too. He's dealing with um uh, pericarditis, carditis, uh, and I'm butchering the name on that, but it's it's a hard issue that he's dealing with right now. I don't know if his career is over. Hopefully he catches on. Uh, somewhere else as long as he's safe to play. But this is a big difference in the, the receiver room in Denver um, starting today as opposed to what it was yesterday. And John Terry's in the chat right now in the YouTube chat. He wants to know our thoughts on Marvin Mims and our thoughts on Cortland Sutton. Now, Farrell, I'm going to throw this to you first right now. Uh, when you consider that there's no Patrick there this year, when you consider that there's going to be no Hamler there this year, what do you think about Sutton? Not Judy, but Sutton and Mims specifically. A lot of people are down on Sutton. I've always liked the athleticism, his ability to high point the ball. In this situation, 
we don't know uh, because as just as it's a mystery for the tight end in Denver, it's a mystery for everyone to see how this team's going to act. But, I, you know, I think there's going to be a lot of crossing patterns in this offense. I think there's going to be a lot of opportunities for him to get between behind the linebackers in front of the safeties and catch balls with the big frame body of his. I think he's going to play very much like Michael Pittman plays in Indianapolis. And so he'll be asked to do different things perhaps than what he was asked previously. And so I like it here uh, at, at this point in the draft for his chances. You know, um, let, let's go before Farrell. Well, uh, no, Terp, weigh in on, on the Broncos receiver discussion. Is there any significant bump for you for Sutton or Mims right now? I know we're not talking about him, but I think there should be a significant bump for Judy. I think he should move up. Mm-hmm. Sutton should move up. Mims should move up. I mean, Mims is a, loved him coming out of the draft, landed in what many people thought was a bad spot that is turning into a, a very, very good spot. If the Broncos turn it around this year, which is a big if, we don't know, like you guys have said. I believe they will. I know a lot of smart people believe they will. Marvin Mims could be a league winner at the price he's going right now. Portland and we'll Sutton scorned a ton of owners last year, including myself, who I loved him. He didn't look great, but that team was a disaster. You pretty much got to throw it away. You can't look mm-hmm. at how bad last year was because if you do, you're never dra- you're not never drafting any Broncos because it was just some of the worst football I've seen <laughs> in probably ten years. <laughs> Terp, you and you and Sean Payton definitely uh, had a couple of cocktails over the last few days, and and you're commiserating about that. No 100%. question. Let's. Let's get into the ninth round here, guys. Samaj P. Randy, third running back drafted by Rick Raymaker. Alvin Kamara off the board is the number two running back drafted by Tompkins, Flynn, and Cooper at the 902. Michael Thomas, the fourth receiver selected by Rob Vieira. Greg Dulcich, we already talked about to J.J. Zekreesen as his starting tight end. A.J. Dillon, the number three running back for Jay Cohen. Dalvin Cook off the board to Scott Connor from Dynasty and Chill. Kirk Cousins going to be starting at quarterback for Daniel Cups. More weeks than not, depending upon what he does at quarterback the rest of the way. But Cousins is his pick at the 907 tonight. Sutton off the board to Josh Hayes. Dak Prescott backing up to Sean Watson to Magnuson and Marks. Tyler Higby off the board as the number one tight end for Jared Smola. Brian Robinson, the fifth running back drafted by Mancino and Luchane at the 9-11, followed by Rashad Bateman at the 9-12 tonight to Pat Corain. We talked a little bit about uh, Chris Olave earlier in the in the, in the the broadcast. Farrell, I want you to weigh in because you're a little bit nervous about Olave this year. How do you feel about Michael Thomas at the 9-03 tonight to Rob Vieira? Well, you know, all, all signals are pointing up there, and a lot of great minds in this business think he is through. But if you – if you like Olave's situation at all, you got to like Thomas a little bit. And this is where you would want to draft him to take advantage of it. If it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. But, you know, it's it's not ancient history to see what this player did. And it's he's a pretty good pairing with this quarterback. The, the quarterback's got midfield accuracy. Uh, he, can, he can hit the skinny post pretty well. Um, I like the opportunity for Thomas. I, I, uh, I understand why he's been beaten down, but I would take a risk on him. When you look at uh, A.J. Dillon, uh, Terp at the 905 tonight to back up Robinson and Pollard here to Jay Cohen, I remain, and it's weird because A.J. AJ Dillon does so much for us here in Northeast Wisconsin with his charity work, with everything he's been doing and how much he loves Northeast Wisconsin you know, hanging out with Packers fans at the local bars in Door County or what have you. Like, people love A.J. Dillon here. But from a fantasy standpoint, I'm not so sure. I don't I don't necessarily know if I like Dillon. Your thoughts on Dillon, Turp? He's not a sexy pick. He's not a pick that's going to wow you. Uh, he's definitely more of a best ball player. 
than he is a, a redraft type of pick. I mean, there, he's going to have a couple spike weeks. He's, he's going to be in your lineup a bunch, but he's also going to be just totally, if the, if the game script's not allowing it, A.J. Dillon could be a tough pick. But where they're getting him, it just makes a ton of sense. I, I see no downside in the pick. Like I said, he's not he's not sexy, but he could be a league-wing type of guy where they're getting drafted if something happens to Aaron Jones because A.J. Dillon, you've seen, he's just a monster, especially in the red zone. He's going to get all the work around the goal line, and it's hard to tackle that guy. He's just a big monster dude. So mm-hmm. I'm on the A.J. Dillon pick. I don't think it's a bad pick. Like I said, is, is he going to win you a championship? Probably not, but he's definitely not going to hurt you. Balky will get us the board back in a minute, Chirp. But what's we've talked about it several times before, but have, have you had any new insight about the receiver, uh, Watson? Because I believe we've been saying the same thing about him. You know, oh, he's, all these touchdowns. I dug into him a little bit. Um, hey, he's back. I dug into him a little bit last night. The thing that intrigued me about him, um, 52 targets over the last eight games. Uh, will he be the target monster in that offense? Will you, will you see uh, Love focus on him? And, and with Balky here, what, what is the structure of the Green Bay um, receiving core? Because I'm not sure I understand it. To me, it's Watson and then everybody else. I don't even think it's – Yeah, I, I think that's cool. what it I is. Mean, and We've had conversations about like the – like the the gap between him and Romeo Dubs should yeah. be closer. The answer is no. I mean, oh, I know, sure. I, I know, I know, I know, I know where you're going with this. And I know you're on the opposite side of this. I think Christian Watson should be going higher. He has obviously the big playability. We've seen that. We saw that little <laughs> highlight today. He has just game winning, game breaking upside. And I don't think there's ever a chance any coach that doesn't get him the ball in space. I mean, you saw just some of his touchdowns last year. Just. Quick little slants that he took to the house. I remember against the Eagles when when Jordan Love was in, he brought him back and almost stole that game. He just has game-breaking ability. I mean, Romeo Dubs, okay. I'm sorry. He's, he's just not a, not a good player. Well, I don't well yeah, I mean, right. oh, have, hold on. Okay. Yeah, I think Jay Green outscores Romeo Dubs. I want to ask a question to you. I want to lead you, I, I lead you in that conversation. I want to take your role in this podcast okay. because I want to ask you. Um Dubs has a has a terrific skill set that I appreciated coming out of college. He's one of my favorite players uh, when we were drafting early at our Super Bowl party. And I think he complements what you have here with Watson. Now, Balky, can you can you then agree with that and tell Terp all the ways he's wrong? How many minutes we got left? No, okay. Well, here's, here's some, of the ways, the some of the ways that he's wrong, and then right. who, who, what, who's, who's going to catch out of the slot for the Packers? Uh, all right, so, so, so here's the thing with Turf. He's not, he's not wrong on everything here, at least in my opinion. Huh? Um, okay. When he talks, when, when you talk about Christian Watson as like who's the game breaker, who's the big play guy, who's the spike week guy for Green Bay? To me, inarguably, it's obviously Christian Watson. The 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 problem I have with Watson is not. Uh, about his talent or his projected fantasy production. To me, it's where he's going in drafts right now. You know, you look at Christian Watson. Let's just take tonight's draft, for example. He's going ahead of guys uh, like Debo Samuel, Jerry Judy, Terry McLaurin, and even Drake London to a certain extent. And I think you can make the case of DJ Moore who went in the mid-fifth round. I think that all of those guys I just mentioned have a pretty good shot 
of out-targeting and out-catching Watson this year. And part of the reason, not necessarily that Watson's not talented, I said at the top of the show, he caught a 60-yard bomb from Jordan Love um, earlier in practice today. The issue for me is the fact that Dobbs and, and Love have had this connection going back to 2022. Mm-hmm. And the fact that these guys have been working together in synergy and the beat writers are picking up on this, like, oh my God, you know, Dobbs. Now remember last year, Dobbs was the darling, right? Cause he was making all these highlight catches sure in, in practice, but where did that translate to the regular season? We didn't necessarily really see it. And then he got hurt and then Watson sort of took over the second half of the season. So I think it's preemptive to say that Watson is is the guy, in, in, and he might be the guy, Terp. There's a, there's a very good chance that he is the guy this year. To me, the problem is if Romeo Dobbs going at the 11.07 tonight, Christian Watson going at the 4.09, that's seven rounds of difference. We're talking full PPR here, and we're not even talking about Jaden Reed, who I do believe is going to be the slot guy in Green Bay this year. And that is another guy who's been getting a lot of good reviews in Packers practice here in Northeast Wisconsin, especially over the last few days. So I think that you have to – weigh everything here you have to weigh in that this is uh, a new quarterback that's going to be throwing to basically brand new receivers this year luke musgrave is factoring into this uh conversation jason well. no that's listen whatever you say like listen that's fine if, if Musgrave is having drops, but there's been plenty of Packers over the years, more at the wide receiver position than tight ends, that struggled with drops in training camp and in the early part of the season and then came on to Love crush his it. Talent. And, and the fact that when you talk about Musgrave, I, I, I didn't want to turn this into a Packers conversation, but I am. When you talk yeah. about Musgrave, who is still running with the ones, even after all this lacking, he's been getting destroyed and blocking too, by the way, by Preston Smith the last couple of days in practice. And he is still head and shoulders. I shouldn't say head and shoulders because Josiah DeGuara is, is factoring into some of the ones, uh, some of the one reps right now, but he's still way ahead of Tyler Davis. He's still way ahead of Tucker Kraft, the guy that I heard a lot of people talk about. Oh, Kraft's the guy in the tight end you want to own in Green Bay. I'm not drafting Tucker Kraft at all. I didn't draft him in Dynasty, and I feel good about it at this point. It's all about Musgrave at tight end. There's going to be some, some growing pains there. There's going to be some growing pains with the Packers offense in general. Um, but I think that, and Matt Schneidman, again, who covers the Green Bay Packers for the Athletics, said he was asked on Twitter, who do you think leads the Packers and catches this year? He said it was Romeo Dobbs over Christian Watson. And while I think Watson could could be in for a more traditional 1A receiver in 2024, I think Dobbs, is, there's going to be a lot to say about what he does. Does not have the game-breaking capability that Watson has. But the fact that he can do enough and he's he's a competent receiver on the outside or if they move him into the slot, what have you, I, I we just cannot underrate Dobbs at this point. So for me... I'm not draft. I'm not. I'm probably not going to get a whole lot of Watson on my teams this year. But man, Watts or uh, Dobbs in the tenth or eleventh. Yeah, I'm on board with that. That was let absolutely you're drafting beautiful. Kentucky. That was beautiful. What about Kentucky? I said, let me know when you're drafting in Kentucky. I, oh, there you go. Sign yeah. up for that league. Right. I'm in, I'm in the slow right now, Turp. But, but no, I'll, have plenty of lives. I'll have plenty of lives in Louisville. I have no patience for slow drafts. That, that eloquence. That very, very eloquent disposition of the Green Bay Packers receivers was brought to you by our host, Eric Baltman. And and I got it, but I will be short because I do not have my finger on the pulse of the Green Bay Packers. And that's why I wanted to ask the question, because that's a man who does. But I do I do know a great deal about Dobbs, and he's over six foot two in size. He's over two hundred pounds. His physicality has even changed since he was a college athlete, and he's faster than 60, maybe 70% of the wide receivers in the NFL. And I think that's going to serve uh, round 11 uh, drafters very, very well. 
Guys, we have been, uh, we've kept impatiently waiting in the green room, enjoying the crab toast, everything we have in there. Uh, the, the, the fresh, the cold water lobster is in there as well. He's been enjoying it this whole time. While he's been drafting from the five hole tonight, I want to welcome on tonight's guest, uh, or tonight's first guest, I should say, from the five spot. It's the FFPC Joe, Jay Cohen. Jay, welcome into the program, man. Hey, Belky. Hey, Farrell. Hey, Dave. Hey, Good to see you What's up, man? You've been hanging out with us for quite a while. You are halfway through the draft. How is this team shaping up based on your pre-draft expectations, Jay? I've liked it so far. I've mostly gotten my guys. Um, I had a feeling I was going to wind up with uh, Robinson in the first round. I would have taken any of the four guys that went before him. But after that, I was in on Robinson because I just that's where I wanted to get a running back. I didn't think Pollard would be there in the second round. So I... I was thinking it was going to be a wide receiver there, but I was pleasantly surprised to get Pollard. You know, I don't always want to start running back, running back, but I just felt the value of Pollard was too much to pass over there. In the third round, though, because I had gone running back, running back, I did feel like I needed to consider wide receiver. And the top one on my board at that point was Ridley. Mm -hmm. um, I just like him better than the guys who came after Metcalf and Allen. So I, I know you are you guys have been skeptical. But what I would say about that is I like who he who's throwing to him. Um, the talent's undeniably there. He's still relatively young. And I think Trevor Lawrence is in his third year still potentially on his way up. And I think Ridley gets more than Kirk. So I think I'm still getting the wide receiver one in Jacksonville there in the third round. Um, in the fourth, I actually wanted Herbert and I considered Burrow. But I did a about face and went with Fields because mm -hmm. I thought I could get more on the turn coming back and get the stack that way. And it worked out for me. So mm -hmm. that was the thinking with that. Um, then in the sixth round, I saw some wide receivers going. And so I just kind of, uh, you know, took the, the next one on my board, which was Pickens. Um, I, always, I was planning to take Njoku in the seventh and got him. And that's why I was looking wide receiver in the sixth. I know he's a little early there, but it was more about getting my guy because I, I needed the wide receiver there. And so I, I took the top one on my board. I, as I mentioned, I took Njoku in the seventh to get my first tight end. Then it was about uh, a couple of guys who I really like and I think are going to be the worst. Um, I like Sky Moore. I was looking at Elijah Moore instead of him, but I had gotten Njoku in the previous round and they're both on Cleveland. So I wanted to uh, divide that there. And that was why I, I picked Sky over Elijah, although I can definitely see why Elijah might go in front of him. Um, then I was, you know, just looking for another running back. I know you guys are skeptical about Dylan, but I was just looking for another back there. And he, again, was the top one on my board at that spot. Um, I like Rondale in the 10th as my fifth wide receiver. And then what happened in the, the, the 11th was that run of three uh, quarterbacks right in front of me. I really want to complete the stack of Pickett and Pickens. I would have waited one more round, but with that run, I just figured I should do that early. And it's worked out for me because I'm going to take my second tight end right now. After David Njoku in the 705, Jay Cohen, the FFPC Joe in the five spot tonight at the 1208 selects tight end. Who is it? It's going to be Irv Smith. Irv oh. Smith. Farrell, your favorite. <laughs> Okay. I really like this team, Jay Cohen, except you you picked one too many mores. And <laughs> yeah, I did get three mores. That's right. But he picked out on Elijah. I got three mores. Pick a Connery or something. You know, there's just too many mores here. Um, the um, 
Irv Smith, well, Balky, you know, Balky likes him better than I do. But, you know, I love all these players, and I'm real interested to see what you put together around this because I, I, I like your thoughts on stacking. I think this is a well-designed team. Uh, congratulations on what you're putting together here. Thanks. I had a script and it's mostly gone, but I, I you know, it's a script, but you have to adjust. And that was the fields yeah. and more part, you know, you, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, you, you have to adjust on the fly sometimes. And that one worked for me. Yeah. So, so Jay, and by the way, I love the assessment on your team here, basically pick by pick. Um, yeah, but, but you have, but there are questions that arise, arose, geez, arose in my mind as you were talking about this. So once you went running back, running back in the first two rounds, a start that you did not necessarily envision prior to the draft, how did you start thinking about running back in your mind? Did you say, okay, now I got Robinson and Pollard. I'm going to pound all the other positions. I'll worry about running back in X round. Is that sort of what your, what your approach was that you pushed that yes. weight in the back of your mind? Yeah. I mean, once you go running back, running back, you should, I mean, if either of those guys gets injured, I'm sunk anyway. So you should just mm -hmm. assume that they're going to be in your lineup for the most part every week, except for a buy. And so, well, I, you know, you, you have to go and attack the other positions. Jay, was there any consideration of taking Henry over Pollard? Did it even cross your mind? Um, Not for me. I, okay. I just like, I think Pollard's still on the way up and mm -hmm. I Henry still just doesn't catch passes. So to me, I just assess that slightly in, in Pollard's favor. All right, let, let me let me pick your brain on a couple other players that went before and after him. Number one, Jameer Gibbs went before Pollard. You never had the chance to draft him in the second round. Had he been available at that point, Jay, would you have considered Gibbs instead of Pollard? And then number two, Jonathan Taylor falls tonight to the 303 to Rob Vieira. How much of the conversation in your head was he there instead of Pollard? Um, I had prepared for both. Um, I just like Pollard better than Gibbs, so I was actually – I thought I was going to get Pollard once Gibbs went in front of me. Mm -hmm. um, that's, you know, that was actually the key was seeing Gibbs go that early. It kind of made me think that a running back would fall to me. And so I was preparing in my head for the possibility of Pollard. As for Taylor, I think he's actually now about the right spot in the third round. There's, I mean, there is upside in getting him in the third round for sure. Um, but I just, there's too many red flags for me to take him above Pollard in the second and I get that. And, and, and I want you to make your pick here and, and I'm going to, I'm going to vamp for time here as you are deciding on your 13th round pick. Once again, Jay Cohen, the FFPC Joe joining us, who is drafting from the five spot tonight has fields. He has picket at quarterback. The running backs are Bijan Robinson, Tony Pollard and AJ Dillon receivers, Calvin Ridley, DJ Moore, George Pickens, Sky Moore and Rondale Moore at receiver, uh, at receiver. And then uh, the tight end position right now, David Njoku and Herb Smith, 30 seconds on the clock here, Jay. You have a balanced take team. another name you may or may not like, but I think he's one, just one spot away from getting big action. I think he's going to be usable even uh, if not an extra Jerome Ford. Oh, perfect. Yes, absolutely. An injury away type guy, the 48th running back off the board tonight. Jerome Ford is your number four running back. Solid pick exactly. there in my opinion. He's um, my let, fourth back. Fourth, fourth running back. Exactly. Yes. Can I ask you a little bit, um, and I know we touched on this earlier in the program, I seem to be in the minority on Calvin Ridley this year. He's not a guy I'm targeting. He's not a guy I necessarily like, yet you drafted him as your number one receiver. I guess my big concern is how much time he has missed off the field over the last year and a half. Um, was this a, a, a player that you, would that you would choose in the pros versus Joes where you only win 
if you finish in first and you get nothing for second uh, on down, was this a player that you also would have chosen in the main event or the fantasy pros championship where there are other avenues to a million dollar payday? I think part of it is, I think he's going to wind up in the third round. I may have taken him three spots higher than where he's going to settle, but my need was for a wide receiver at that position. And you take the best one on your board there to fit your team. Um, I just like him better than Cooper and Allen for this year. Remember, he was a second-round pick when last we were seeing him. So yeah. the third round doesn't seem out of place. Again, maybe it's a couple spots, but I don't think you're going to see Ridley in the fourth round in about two two or so weeks. So I think he's going to settle in that third round, and it's just a matter of which team has a wide receiver need at where. Couple more questions, Jay, before we let you go. Number one, sure. you're, you already talked about um, the stacks that you have achieved on this team with. Fields and DJ Moore, obviously, in the fourth and fifth. You get Pickens in the sixth. You also get Kenny Pickett in the 11th round. In a closed 12-team league like this, stacking is, seems to still be important to you. Can you tell us why? I think it just, you know, I wouldn't. I, I wanted to make sure I got one, and then when I had the opportunity for the second, it works. I, look, mm -hmm. I don't think you should work your entire draft around that because I think you can lose sight of the actual value in the draft. But – once you figure out who your receivers may actually be, you, it makes sense to look at where their quarterbacks are going and see if there is a possibility to pair them. That's how I approach it is, you know, the most, I mean, we're in PPR. So the wide receivers actually rule. You have to figure out who your wide receivers are first. But then once you know who you're probably getting, you can reverse engineer that and think about where you can get the quarterback that would go with them. Let me uh, let me ask you the final question here, uh, Jay. And this is <laughs> Farrell's going to shake his head and smile when I say this. But you know, I've been talking about certain pockets of fantasy goodness over the last couple of years on the HSFFR, and one of them I think this year is the Kansas City wide receiver situation. I've been asking a lot of people about it, trying to ascertain what is the way to go. You had the opportunity uh, to draft any number of Chiefs receivers tonight. Rasheed Rice was still out there. Marquez Valdez Gantling, Kadarius Tony. You go with Sky Moore at the 808, wide receiver 42. He's your number four receiver. Can you tell us a little bit about why you like him best among Patrick Mahomes' wideouts this year? Well, we've already been getting positive reports from him in camp. He's a second-year guy with a good pedigree. Mm -hmm. um, Tony doesn't seem like he can stay healthy. I mean, there's probably a universe where Sky Moore is the number one wide receiver in Kansas City at the end of the year. And if he is, the eighth round will have been a cheap price. I just didn't think I'd get him in the ninth based on where things were going, but he was a guy I wanted and I had a wide receiver need. So in that round, it made sense. And again, I was saying I was looking at him or Elijah Moore there. Uh, you know, I just couldn't get away from the Moors tonight, but <laughs> Sky made sense since I had taken Njoku in the previous round. And so that's why I did that there. So Jay, uh, I know I lied. Uh, now I said that was the okay. last question, Matthew, one more. Are you a Seinfeld fan by any chance at all? Uh, from way back, sure, yeah. Okay, all right. So there's the episode, the Bubble Boy episode, <clears throat> excuse me, where George Costanza is playing Trivial Pursuit against the Bubble Boy, and the answer to the question was the Moors, and it was a misprint on the Trivial Pursuit card, and it was the Moops was the, was yep. the answer listed yep. on there. So I think given that you already have DJ, Sky, and Rondale Moore, the perfect team name change here for you at this point Ooh, is, is the Moops. You got to call this team the Moops, known by Jake Owen. <laughs> we can discuss that, sure. <laughs> All right, perfect. Jake Owen, the FFPC Joe drafting from the five spots tonight. Jay, certainly appreciate you coming on board, making a couple of picks live uh, tonight. Good luck, not only in pros versus Joes, but more importantly, 
take home that million dollars in the FFPC main event this year, man. Thanks so Thanks, much. and I'll see you in Vegas, guys. See you you got it. Absolutely. Yeah. See you in Vegas yeah. at Planet Hollywood. Jay Cohen, uh, ladies and gentlemen, the FFPC Joe. Hopping aboard tonight. Want to remind everybody, if you have not booked your rooms, check out the FFPC mailers we've been sending out. Uh, there is a little banner on the bottom that you can click on to book your room live at Planet Hollywood if you're drafting in the FFPC main event or in any of the ancillary leagues we have out there, as well as go to myffpc.com on that main event page. There's a banner at the bottom there. You can click on there. Get the best room rate possible. It's going to be crazy. It's week one of the NFL season. Why wouldn't you take advantage of our special room rate out at Planet Hollywood at myffpc.com? All right, let's get back into it, guys. The 13th round is complete. Juwan Johnson to Rick Raymaker as his second tight end. Mike Jasicki is the second tight end to Team Fantasy Alarm from the two-hole. Zay Jones off the board tonight as the fifth wide receiver to Rob Vieira. Jordan Love. Wow, I just realized this. J.J. Zacharyson, Aaron Rodgers in the 11th. Jordan Love in the 13th. God bless J.J. Zacharyson for his for his ex-Packers quarterback and his current Packers quarterback there. Jerome Ford was the pick that Jay Cohen made live on the air. Tyler Boyd after that as the number five receiver drafted by Scott Connor. Matthew Stafford backing up Kirk Cousins for Daniel Cups tonight at the 1307. A couple of running backs, very interesting running backs here. Raheem Mostert to Josh Hayes, Ezekiel Elliott to Craig Magnuson and Tim Marks. Derek Carr backing up Joe Burrow in the quarterback's room for DraftSharks.com's Jared Smola. Darnell Mooney, the number four receiver drafted by Mencio and Luchane. And then Tyler Conklin, second tight end drafted behind Sam Laporta to Pat Corain here in the 13th round. Terp, let's look at Team 11 here, Mencio and Lucien. We talked a little bit about their start with Barkley, Jacobs, and Pitts all in the top four picks tonight for them tonight. But I look at um, um, what they're doing at receiver here. Lamb in the second, Godwin in the fifth. Then they don't hit on the position again until round 12. And, and Terp, I guess, do you anticipate more receivers coming here? Because right now they're three, four, and five are Juju Smith-Schuster, Darnell Mooney, and Van Jefferson. I've been pretty positive throughout all these drafts, but that receiver room is flat out terrible. I mean, you have Lamb. Obviously, he's a beast. Godwin, very talented, but there's so many questions with Baker Mayfield. But after that, I mean, Juju is your third receiver. Mooney is your third receiver. Who I like Mooney. Van Jefferson, who I don't mind, but as a third receiver, these guys are more like fifth, sixth receivers on your team. Like, I don't see how this team competes at all to win here. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm looking at them versus, let's just say, team four in the receiver room is just night and day. There's upside still in the draft, but Terp, I must agree with you. If, it, if all of these receivers after Lamb hit their top expectation, it still might not be enough. Brian Robinson, like, doesn't really excite people. Like, Anthony Richardson. I like Anthony Richardson, but it doesn't fit when you have – when your third receiver is Juju. Balky, can can we talk about Team 6? We started with it very early, and uh, we went away from it. But I've been really impressed with the way this team is coming together. And he waited and waited and waited on tight end, and he got great talent for waiting on the position. Yeah. you know, it's Scott Connor, and he came in with a plan. He worked it. You predicted the quarterback he would get um, as his number two was Tua, and, and he certainly did. It's a lovely stack there. And look at his backs, Madison, Cook, and Elijah Mitchell to fill in for the potentially off-injured McCaffrey. This team has a whale of a high side. Uh, and it is very good with its first, uh, you know, with, with its first eight or nine players. 
Scott Connor, no stranger to pros versus shows, no stranger to the FFPC format. You know, he is a longtime FFPC and KFFSC player, a guy who's had a lot of success at both levels with our good buddy Jay Reed as well. Um, and and I look at his draft tonight. Not only did he get Tonga Vailoa here in the eighth round to go with his Hill and Waddle picks um, as his number two quarterback behind Josh Allen, but waiting on tight end until the 10th round and still getting a guy with the upside of Dalton Kincaid, a guy that could get the target volume in Dalton Schultz in the 11th, and by the way, getting Dawson Knox. So in case the Kincaid thing doesn't work out in the 10th, man, you still got the starting tight end for Buffalo. Um, and even if the Kincaid thing works out for you, you still might have the starting tight end in Buffalo in Dawson Knox in the 14th. So, yeah, I, I think the team's really coming together. He's looking at the upside here, too, with if McCaffrey goes down, all of a sudden Mitchell is very attractive. Dalvin Cook, if he lands in New York or if he lands in another spot, perhaps he could have a lion's share of the workload there depending upon what team he signs with. So I like the pick to win here in the ninth round. This is, again, this is kind of the difference between a, an accomplished, seasoned FFPC Joe versus some of the other pros who, by the way, have had some pretty good drafts tonight. This is, this is a bloodbath here. Like there's a yeah. lot of good teams with some value. Here a lot of good, well-drafted teams. But as oh, far Bill, as what Scott Bill Connor, Hollywood. Bill, oh. Bill Hollywood chimed in in the chat, Balky. And I, I, yeah. you know, I was there first. Yes, you were. Bill Hollywood saying this has been a tough draft. And I got to tell you, when you're in the middle, like Scott Connor was here from uh, Destination yeah. Heavy Dynasty Trades and Five, it's tough. Um, but he's he's been able to form a very formidable lineup here. And uh, and Dave Gerzak, also the Dizzle checking in, too. Um, you know, Scott Connor, obviously from Dynasty and Chill. Um, he knows Dynasty, Dy Destination Debbie. He knows Debbie as well. You got to give him credit for not going crazy on rookies here, and he really hasn't. I mean, I'm looking at his draft here now, Farrell. Through 15 rounds, one rookie on the squad, he has taken the elixir. He has <laughs> taken the medicine. He is cured of rookie fever here as we are on the final day of drafting in July. By the way, we're broadcasting this draft live on the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour. If you're not familiar with the HSFF Hour, we go live every single Friday during the season. This is 365 days, 52 weeks a year. You can uh, check us out at 10.9 Central right on this YouTube channel with the FFPC, as well as FFPC Twitter, FFPC Facebook. On-demand uh, streaming is available pretty much anywhere you get podcasts as well. So make sure you're giving us a shout out or not a shout out, but make sure you're giving us a listen and a view or a watch or whatever the kids are calling it now, um, because we do this podcast year round and it's a lot of fun. We hope you enjoy it. We got a really cool group of um, FFPC players that like to hang out with us every week. And we'd like you to be a part of that as well. Round 14 in the books, Devin Singletary at the 1401 to Packer rain, followed by Van Jefferson, Jeff Wilson to Jared Smola, Bryce Young, the third quarterback drafted by Magnuson and Marks, KJ Osborne off the board to Josh Hayes, followed by Marvin Mims to Daniel Cups, Dawson Knox. We already talked about to Scott Connor, Jonathan Mingo, the rookie receiver from Carolina going to Jay Cohen. And then uh, Rashawn Johnson and Ty J Spears, two more rookies. Johnson to J.J. Zacharyson. Ty J. Spears off the board to Rob Vieira, Alan Lazard, and Zamir White complete the 14th round. Terp, let's talk about Team 3 here. Rob Vieira, uh, no stranger to these airwaves. He's been on uh, FFPC uh, um, uh, podcasts for, for years and years and years. What do you make of his start? We talked a little bit about the, the, um, the start of it tonight, McCaffrey, Henry, and Taylor, but how has he filled in the cracks, so to speak, at the other positions when you look at um, – again, getting Cam Akers at a deal in the seventh round only has Ty J Spears after that, but you probably don't need to be adding a whole lot of the other, uh, a whole lot of the other running backs to his uh, backfield right now. It's, it's receivers, it's tight ends, it's quarterbacks. How well did he do after the first three rounds, Turk? 
I think he did really well. We talk about the Acres pick. I mean, that's just outstanding value. Seventh round for him is, is ridiculous. Heron, Daniel Jones, and Darren Waller, probably one of my most popular stacks so far. I like the Michael Gallup pick. I feel like he is going to, you know, another year coming off the injury should be, you know, you know, right up there with, with Brandon Cooks when it comes to targets. I know that's one of one of Farrell's guys, but I think Gallup could pass Cooks this year um, in that offense. It's mm-hmm. definitely in the realm of possibilities. Mm-hmm. I like Kaje Spears, you know, behind Derrick Henry. It makes a lot of sense. Well, very well drafted team. Quentin Johnson, you know, he's not a guy I love coming out of college, but he landed in the absolute perfect spot with two guys mm-hmm. ahead of him that are massive injury risk. So he's definitely a guy I've been targeting a bunch, you know, with Herbert, Kellen Moore now running the show. Michael Thomas is a guy that, I mean, I'll take him if I'm like, if he's my fifth receiver type of situation. It's hard to depend on him because the last couple of years it has been a disaster for fantasy-wise for him. I mean, he has not been healthy. Chris Olave, I'm very much higher on than, than it seems like Farrell. So very well-drafted team, one of my favorites, definitely a top three team so far. You can't be higher on Olave than I am, Terp, but you got to <laughs> ask some questions. But you can't be Ask higher. You know, you, I just I went through them earlier when you were that was you're less hungover now. I didn't want to interrupt you during the thing. But. <laughs> you know, you, no, but you know you you got to take a little bit of the medicine, and you know there's some questions. Eric Carr peppered Devontae Adams. I'm not saying Chris Olave is Devontae Adams. But I believe Devontae Adams last no, year. I'm with you there. 180, I'm, with 190. You there. I'm just saying don't draft him in the first round every week, Turp. I'm not drafting the first round, but the second of the second round, a hundred times out of a hundred, I'll take him. I okay. probably might even take him over Devonta Smith, and that's a lot coming from that's me. That's saying a lot for you, sir. Farrell, we have not talked enough Raiders fantasy football with Never. you tonight. I wanna wanna talk with you about Rick Rainmaker's pick here. Uh, the final pick of the 14th round was Zamir White. Um, can you kind of, for maybe the, the viewers that, that haven't heard you weigh in on this, number one, you are in touch with what's going on in the NFL. Number two, you are a massive Las Vegas Raiders fan. Can you talk a little bit about uh, not only the Josh Jacobs selection here tonight at the 311 to Mencio and Lushan, the FFPC Joes, but what you think of the Zamir White pick here at the end of the 14th round of Rick Raymaker? Zamir White is one thunderstorm away for the perfect storm uh, in Las Vegas to be a tremendous performer. And I'm surprised he's available in the 14th round. I like the player. I don't necessarily like the situation because I believe Jacobs will be back. But in the 14th round, I'm willing to make this play on this player. And um, it, it's, it's uh, it, as Turb says last year, uh, how many how many other backs got a chance to play uh, with the Raiders? Well, not many because, you know, success will keep other players off the field. But balance amongst this coaching staff could be more of the rule of the day. So, yes, I like White here. I'll interrupt you a little bit with Zamir White. How's he been doing in camp? It seems like it's been quiet. This I don't know. I must admit. I haven't heard much. I mean, I follow a bunch of the Raiders, you know, beat writers and stuff, and there hasn't been much positive press one way or the other. Well, so well, to, to, to that to, to that end, have you heard anything about? And, and maybe you have, maybe you haven't. But um, is is has there been any talk with about any other Raiders running backs there? Nothing really. So that's what that's just that's probably good for White, right? That's good, but I mean, I mean, Zavir White, obviously, that you see all the positives. I mean, he was the number one recruit coming. You mm-hmm. know, Georgia. You know, I think about all the factory you know, they possessed in the in the NFL so far. 
the Chubbs, the Gurleys of the world. The talent's there. His injuries has been a question, obviously, in college. But, I mean, he has, he has no mileage in his tank, which makes which makes everything. like Zamir White's a guy I've been targeting a bunch lately because it just seems like if you're not buying Josh Jacobs, like I'm not in most drafts, Zamir White just seems like the perfect bet to make. The talent's there. The profile's there. The yeah. team situation's there with nobody really else there. It just makes too much sense. And and I, that that's the point. If you're not a Jacobs fan, you darn well better be a Zamir White fan. I look at the depth chart there in Las Vegas, and and I don't really see another guy that could threaten the three down workload capability that Zamir White has. Amir Abdullah, I think that ship sailed. Brandon Bolden, great special teamer, can't can't really be counted on for all three downs. Austin Walters, sincere McCormick, Britton Brown. I mean, none of these guys are really striking. It could be a spot here. for one of these. Kareem Hunts of the world. Yeah, that could be. That's Hunts a good point. That could be a bit like. Just to and, mess everything up if Jacobs does push the whole out. All of a sudden, Dalvin Cook signs with Las Vegas, right? And then it's like that just screws stay away Josh from Jacobs. Miami. I don't care it, where Dalvin Cook goes. Just stay away from Miami. Stay away from Miami, says mm-hmm. Dave Terpoli on Dalvin Cook, which, by the way, I believe that's his hometown. I don't know if he'll stay. It is. It is. Um, Kenneth Gainwell was the 1501. Deontay Foreman off the board to Tompkins, Flynn, and Cooper at the 1502. By the way, congratulations to Andrew Cooper, who you already follow on Twitter at Coupe Fiasco from Fantasy Alarm. Uh, just is a brand new dad as of a couple of days ago. Now is a proud dad. So, congratulations to Andrew Cooper, Congrats not only your, on your daughter, uh, but also finding a way to draft tonight in the Pros versus Joe's Challenge. Michael Gallup to Rob Vieira, Chuba Hubbard to JJ Zacharyson at the 1504, Rashid Shahid and DJ Chark off the board to Cohen and Connor. Ryan Tannehill, the third quarterback drafted by Daniel Cups, Isaiah Hodgins, who could be the number one wide receiver in uh, New York this year for the Giants. Josh Hayes from Brodo Baller grabs him. Marquez Valdez-Gantling off the board at the 1509. He is the number six receiver drafted by Craig Magnuson and Tim Marks. Hayden Hurst backing up Tyler Higby for Jared Smola. Kyler Murray backing up both Trevor Lawrence and Anthony Richardson at, for Mencio and Luchane from the 11 hole tonight. And Hunter Henry off the board as the third tight end drafted by Pat Crane. Farrell, where do you fall in on this Kyler Murray stuff? You know, uh, look at Mencio and Lachine. They already had Lawrence. They already had Richardson. So you you have your floor guy. You have your ceiling guy. Then they had Kyler Murray late. And I'm, I'm you know, as the season wanes, and and I know we're not to the season yet, but as the season moves on and, and the stuff we're hearing from Kyler Murray, I become more and more bearish about Murray being a fantasy factor this year. How do you feel about him? Well, <laughs> I'm looking for something for good to say, and I haven't had anything good. That's to say fine. You don't have to say anything. Good long about time, guys. Um, and it, in regards to this draft, I don't understand why they didn't go get another wide receiver. They finally hit one. Uh, and, the Kyler and Murray pick makes no sense. You can just say it's it. It's not. It's just they're they're a little out of sync right now. I think. Yeah. I and and you know that that's the thing. It's like. And Terp, I, you know, you've drafted a lot of best ball tournament teams. I'm kind of curious if you have a team with Lawrence and Richardson in the first I'm 10 done. rounds, you're done at quarterback, right? Not even a question. And, and, um, and they ended up going with Murray here and certainly that could pay dividends. But if you're already baking on Lawrence and Richardson, I think your assets are better spent elsewhere, but they saw something in Murray and that's fine. It's their team. And God bless you and, and Godspeed on that team from the 11 spot tonight. Let's go through the 16th round. A lot of tight ends going to Pat Corrine here. Through 10 rounds, he had zero. Through 16 rounds, he has four, including two Rickies, by the way. Sam Laporta in the 11th, Michael Mayer 
at the 1601 tonight. Another rookie off the board at the 1602. Jaden Reed to Mencio and Lushane. Uh, DPJ, Donovan Peoples Jones to Jared Smollett. Uh, Trey McBride, the third tight end drafted by Magnuson Marks. Clyde Edwards Lair, shout out to hashtag Aiden LaCorey here. Josh Hayes from Rotoballer takes CEH. Curtis Samuel and Jalen Hyatt off the board after that. Daniel Cups and Scott Connor taking them respectively. Jake Ferguson to Jay Cohen as his number three receiver. Jelani Woods backing up Greg Dulcich for J.J. Zacharyson from late round QB. Alec Pierce, Indianapolis's own Alec Pierce, goes to Rob Vieira as his number seven receiver. John Mechie off the board as the number uh, seven receiver to Tompkins, Flynn, and Cooper. And then Sam Howell, the third quarterback to join Rick Raymaker's Serenity Now squad as he is the final pick of the 16th round. Guys, what stands out to you in the 16th round? Terp, I'll go to you first. I like the Jaden Reed pick at the 1602. Seems like he's getting steamed up lately in FFPC drafts. Again, not to the point where I wouldn't be comfortable drafting him, but in a pick to win first place or nothing league, I like the Jaden Reed selection at the 1602. I also like that pick. There's three picks that stand out for me. John Michi, I, I really, really like him this year. I mean, all those receivers are really cheap. Even Nico Collins is coming cheap in drafts. Him or Tank Dell, one of those guys is going to be, you know, a, a solid fantasy contributor this year. The other two, Jalen Hyatt has been having a really good camp. I mean, mostly when he came out of Tennessee, people just thought he's just going to run down the field and that's all he's going to do. He's been getting a lot of positive press, and that wide receiver room is wide open. There's a there's a not a lot of talent. Cole Beasley's Paris Campbell's of the world. Isaiah Hodges is a solid, you know, had a solid year, but you don't know. I mean, you Darius Slayton. Eh. There's not a lot of not a lot of Sterling Shepard coming off. Wandell Robinson coming off an injury. Two guys that have massive injury questions right there. And the third guy, Farrell like this, Michael Mayer. He's a guy that I continue to target in 16th round of draft as a backup tight end or in a best ball format as a tight end three, you know, fit, like fell in the draft. A lot of people thought he was going to be in the first round. Blocks extremely well. And if that means anything to you, that means he's going to be on the field. Yeah. And if you're on the field, Austin Hooper doesn't scare me. He has Devontae Adams, Jacoby Myers. He could easily get a ton of targets there. Jimmy G likes his tight end. We remember that. Mayer's mm-hmm. a guy that – Mayer, Hunter Henry, and Kate Otten are three guys to me that – if you're waiting on tight end to get a backup with upside potential, all three of them possess it. Yeah, some of these guys going in front of uh, Otten, it's hard to imagine. I think uh, Team 12's best tight end is the last one that they picked. Uh, Terp, you skipped over Donovan Peoples-Jones, who I am a big fan of. I love the athlete. I want to see the situation. I know, as you talked about Jacksonville, and this remains true here, there's a lot of receiver competition for the ball, but after all, we are in the 16th round. I like this guy's red zone possibilities. There's some very good players drafted here. I still want to see what Curtis Samuel has on the tank. Uh, there were interesting numbers of him, and, and Pierce is going to be a 70-80 catch player in this league, probably not this year, but there's a lot of very good players in this round. There's a these are very good drafts. Very, very strong round overall. There's not yeah. a lot of picks I can look at and be like, wow, it's bad. You know, I mean, it, it, Terp, to, to Farrell's point here, and, and I feel like, you know, Todd Burroughs has sort of opened my uh, up my eyes to the late-round tight end this year. Um, but just as a whole, when you talk about the late rounds of the FFPC main event, the Fantasy Pros Championship, Pros versus Joe's best ball tournament with the FFPC, do you feel like there is more of an emphasis this year 
on getting these late round bullets, these these late round dart throws correct because there maybe is a little bit more talent this year. The drafts are maybe a little bit deeper at this point um, than they have in years past. How do you weigh in on that, Turk? A lot of it, like you said, is 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 you look at some of the situations right now. We could talk about the Kansas City receiver room. Mm-hmm. You got guys like Richie James, MVS, not really, but Justin Ross. Somebody in that mix is going to be a guy that if you draft in the 17th, 18th, 19th round, yep. could win you everything. Mm-hmm. We can keep going. We, we, we mentioned all those tight ends already. A guy like Jalen Hyatt, if he emerges in, in, you know, with Daniel Jones, if he takes the next step this year with no real target competition, the receivers in, in Houston, there's a ton of guys that, like you said, you got to take some shots on these guys because if it, if it pans out, you get a Jarek McKinney like you did last year. It's just going to separate you so much from all these other dead picks down here that might never see the field. Like I like Noah Fant as a player. I love his I love his talent, but I can't think of a worse situation for Noah Fant. No. He's stuck behind Pete Carroll, who loves his playing ninety seven <laughs> tight ends. They have three receivers who are very very good. A quarterback who looks like he broke out this year, but we don't really know that he's yeah. going to continue it. And also. Tina just loves the running, running the ball. So to me, Noah Fant, as much as I love his profile and love him as a player, the upside there is just there's no there's nothing there for me. Guys, I got I got three tight ends that that nobody's drafting. I hope I'll see them tonight. We, we don't we don't want to talk about them while people are drafting. Well, they haven't been drafted yet. Yeah, haven't been drafted yet. There's three three very interesting tight ends. Farrell says there are three interesting tight ends that have not yet been drafted. And to my point, what I just asked her, 33 tight ends already yeah. off the board, and there's still more goodness. Oh, there's another one. And, and there's no, for you well, he, I, he I like the fans. I like Luke Musgrave. I don't care. I like Farrell. Luke Musgrave, yeah. too. I love, his, I, love, I love his profile, talented, you know, fits all the, the, the metrics. It's just – He's a rookie tight end. You just don't know, you know, I, is, the, is the coaching staff going to trust him early on? Well, and that's the thing. And that's, that is the, the million-dollar question there, Turp, because there is no question that this guy can catch balls. He can run the seam. He can get open. But yeah, the problem right now is he is getting blown up by Preston Smith without pads on You right see now. nothing positive about it. I'm not saying I know it's early and it's a rookie. Rookie's well, I wouldn't say nothing positive, but, like, you know Matt LaFleur, he loves those dual tight ends, obviously. Yeah. He, he yeah. invested a second yeah. and a third round pick in tight ends this year. Yeah. If these guys are going to play, they have to be able to block not only in the passing game, but in the run game. Right now, Luke Musgrave isn't there. However, not a lot of people threatening him behind him. Nope. Tucker <laughs> practice with ice. He's going to get all the chances today. in the world. To exactly. Good. That's a great point. And, and that's, that's why all I you like can ask for from an 18th round draft pick. Yes. Perfect. I, you Do that block, block, block thing again, Balky. I loved that. I loved what, what's Can we get back oh, to these tight ends? He's got to be able to block the pass I love that. So, Okay, well, you know, to, okay, rookie tight end. I, I kind of want to get away from that in this format because once we get to double-digit weeks in the NFL, they're not necessarily rookies. You roll it back to that. Well, you know what I mean. They're, they're, you roll it back to 16th round, you're looking at McBride here. McBride had 30-plus targets, I believe, over the last five Love games of the year. And a lot of that had to do with maybe Ertz's availability. But my point is that a lot of these guys are going to get their chances when there's still money to be made in this format. I agree. Trey McBride, uh, to your point. Now, remember, you know, what open fantasy 
um, players' eyes to Trey McBride was the HBO Hard Knocks in season last year because he was oh. heavily featured on that. Um, when you look one at on tight end, what Trey McBride was last year, it's her this year. Oh, this year he is. Okay. Yeah. And I could get behind that. I'm trying to find out how many targets, because this was interesting, what he did last season um, for the Arizona Cardinals. Because not only, well, not only did he, um, uh, was he the beneficiary of, of Zach Ertz going down, but the fact that he was a rookie tight end and sort of like, you know, caught on at that point last season, he had 39 targets on the season. And to your point, Farrell, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of those were late in the season. I don't have his game logs. I apologize. Yeah. So I can't tell you um, what he was doing. But, yeah, I like McBride. And the fact that, you know, normally you see in the FFPC tight end premium format, you normally see a tight end like that, second-year tight end, getting steamed up for whatever reason. He isn't this year. And I don't know why that is. Tight ends are not fact- getting steamed this year, which is very, very surprising to me. Yeah, and, and, and McBride's the poster child for that. Like, he's, he's the perfect – like, second-year tight ends normally – take a big jump in ffpc adp mcbride is bucking the trend this year where you can still get them very cheap um all right let's go through uh let's go through the 18th round here guys and and Devontae parker kicks it off here for us to pat terrain at the 12 spot luke musgrave backing up kyle pitts to mencio and lushane uh leonard fournette chase brown matt brita three running backs go off to smola magnuson and marks and then brita to robert uh to uh josh hayes robert hayes wasn't he the guy from airplane i don't know if i got that on my mind um <laughs> moving on robert woods after that to uh to daniel cups malik davis the backup running back in dallas to scott connor isaiah spiller to jay cohen Corey davis is the first wide receiver drafted by jj zacharyson since round seven and if you saw jj zacharyson scott fishbowl team you know this guy does not draft scared which i really appreciate especially in a format like this Richie James, another guy who's getting a lot of love late. I'm surprised he lasted until the 18th round tonight. Khalil Shakir and then the rookie Dwayne McBride in Minnesota going to Rick Raymaker's team at the 18-12, the final pick of the 18th round tonight. Farrell, I'll I'll throw this to you here. Um, Devontae Parker in New England. I know Juju Smith-Schuster's there. We also know New England gave Devontae Parker a, a new contract. Is there something to like this year now that the Patriots officially have a quote unquote real offensive coordinator, something they didn't have last season. Um, a couple of years ago, Devontae Parker caught a great number of passes uh, for the Dolphins. I, mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, Louisville, Kentucky guy, got to be all for him. I think Devontae Parker has spike games in this offense, especially when you look on the other side and see who that other receiver is in New England. Uh, you, you begin to think, well, Parker can do that. You take a look at the 18th round, there's potential. You, uh, everything that – Everything that Turp said about uh, Richie James, I believe about Khalil Shakir. Uh, I'm a big Shakir fan. And, uh, you know, so those guys could be league winners. And Robert Woods, we know him to be a steak dinner winner. So we have that going for me. <laughs> Where is that going to take place, by the way, in Vegas? I we don't know. I, that yet, but we will figure that out. Okay. Yeah, right. I picked the golden steer, Bucky. I think that we're going to go old I'm, school. Yeah, I'm good with that, man. The Like old school Vegas. I, I get enough modern Vegas. I don't leave the strip. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. It's on the strip. We can make this happen. We'll I, I'm, I'm all for it. I'll tell you what. I'll even do this, guys. And maybe this is my own after a steak dinner with us uh, in in Las Vegas, uh, Terp. You will be hung over to week three of the NFL season. So just want to point that out. <laughs> Can't wait. 
Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. And when, when Turf Farrell and I go to Vegas and, and the name, uh, it's weird because I can't bring up Ezekiel Elliott. I can't bring up Irv Smith over dinner conversation. I don't know who my trigger uh, player is. Let's in just the talk FF. about the Packers. That we would, yeah, talk about the. Well, that's the thing for, in in Turf. You are high on the Packers this year, maybe even higher than I am. That's that's what's so crazy to me. I just love the offense. I mean, I I'm a big Jordan Love fan. I I, I think he has QB, you know, one potential top, you know, fringe potential right on the edge. I definitely think he's a guy that I've been. He's my number one on quarterback by by a good margin right now. I just, I just love us. I, I just love the Packers this year. It's really hard for me to say anything more. I'm trying to be a little more quieter about it now. But every time yeah. I see a post like today, it's really hard for me. I get a little tingle. Yeah, I did get a little tingle for sure. <laughs> um, and, and I did too. Feel it though. Was, he's he's so hungover he couldn't feel it. I was hungover this morning. Want my two I still got a tingle. That's not a good sign. You you want my two tight ends, guys? That are still right. Yeah, Logan yeah. Okay. So uh, so right away. So the Dizzle actually, when you were talking about this last couple of rounds, the uh, the Dizzle said Logan Thomas was one oh, of the dizzle. three. Was that, Come on. That's was that it? Wasn't Logan Thomas? No, no. no okay. All right. Who I'm were they? Two tight ends in. Uh, here we're gonna go. Uh, second year tight end, as you guys were discussing. He didn't get to mm-hmm. play last year because he was hurt, and he was drafted uh, in front of Isaiah Likely by the same team, and that's Charlie Kolar. Charlie Kolar is a very, very good uh, football player with a lot of skills at that position. So when you start talking about how much you like Likely and you understand who else is on that team, well, it's it's unusual to draft a third-string tight end, but there you go, Charlie Kolar. And I want you to take a look. At the Miami I have to Google him to see what team he's on. I have no idea. He's on Baltimore. I mean, he's on Baltimore. I figured that yeah. out by the, by what he just said. But hey, never yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, you got to go deep. Elijah Higgins is a player on the Miami Dolphins, guys, a six-round draft pick out of Stanford, that if he had played in the SEC or any other big football factory would be known and, and drafted much That's higher. That's a name I know. Pardon me? That's Dave, a name Turf knows. We got we got a prop bet from Dave. He just said, I'll bet you a million dollars Logan Thomas outscores whoever Kolar is. Well, that's, <laughs> that could be true. Though. It could be true. And, and, you know, I think we should stick to steak if dinners he, on this if show. If he's selling right? a steak of that million, I'd get on that because I, I, uh, I still never uh, But, uh, I, you know, the, the Elijah Higgins, uh, the, the Elijah Higgins player, if he were to deliver his perhaps 60 catches or five touchdowns, then not only would you have a 20th round contributor, but people could talk about what a genius you are, Terp, and, and that that's important for, you know, we need that. We need it. All right, guys. Uh, we have a guest waiting in uh, in the green room right now, snacking on um, uh, all the hors d'oeuvres I put out before the, the program tonight. But I want to finish this draft before we get to him because he has some heavy opinions on Charlie Kolar. Actually, I'm not making. <laughs> so you can probably guess which one of the drafters, uh, Dynasty and Chill, uh, is coming up here uh, tonight after the 20th round. I'll take you through the 19th round very briefly here. Terrace Marshall, Josh Downs, and Darius Slayton lead things off in the 19th to Raymaker, Tompkins, Flynn, and Cooper in the second hole. And then uh, Rob Vieira uh, gets uh, Slayton there at the three spot. Kareem Hunt, the uh, penultimate draft pick for J.J. Zacharyson tonight. Tank Dell and Joshua Palmer, a pair of receivers to Cohen and Connor. Zach Evans, the Rams running back to Daniel Cups. Michael Wilson, boy, another rookie here, in the 19th round to Josh Hayes. 
Uh, that's out of Arizona. Allen Robinson to Craig Magnuson and Tim Marks. Logan Thomas, the aforementioned Logan Thomas, uh, going off the board tonight uh, as the third tight end drafted by Jared Smola. Deontay Hardy and Tyquan Thornton, the final pick of the 19th round tonight to Pat Corain. Okay, so when we are uh, when, when we look back on this draft and we go to YouTube as um, as uh, some sort of um, uh, hard, hard hard evidence about these million dollar bets. The Dizzle says he is just messing around as far as Logan. Dizzle's backpedaling off Elijah Higgins. Don't yeah. backpedal off it. <laughs> we'll ask her the money. We'll figure it out. I'll go how many, with you. How, how many, like how many steak dinners in Vegas would just it take people wife. a million bucks? That That's my question. If we, if we just end up doing a million dollar steak dinners uh, for, for years. Halfway through the 20th round tonight, can you guys talk about, and, and Terp, I'll throw this to you, I guess, Michael Wilson goes to Josh Hayes from Rotoballer. What kind of value is it? And I know we've been talking about the Arizona passing game a little bit with um, with uh, with Trey McBride earlier. Can you talk a little bit about what you think Michael Wilson is going to do as a rookie out of Stanford this year with no DeAndre Hopkins there? I mean, I think he has plenty of potential. I mean, he's a little bit of an unknown, but – Arizona is a team that people just don't like drafting guys for them this year. Everybody just seems to be scared off there. You've seen a lot of ugly camp highlights so far with the quarterbacks just not even close to the receivers. Mm -hmm. Jonathan Gannon has been getting a lot of bad press so far with his drill sergeant activities about, you know, not being late, not being on time. NFL players don't love that. That's going to get annoying after a while, especially with Kyler Murray, who we know is a little bit of a mental Mm. midget, I guess you could Uh say. Uh, but. Hey, uh, guys, um, Team 12, Yeah, uh, look what they've done at quarterback, which is very intriguing. Uh, I, I thought that – I think their double-digit uh, round drafts have been better than, than anyone in this draft. I, I really love what they Team do. 12, the one in the two slot, 12 slot are really, really difficult this year because if you – especially in drafts like this, like if value falls, you're not really getting a chance to take it because – you're mm-hmm. so far away, you're just right. going to miss it all the time. But they did a great job at tight end and a great job at, at quarterback when they pretty much waited, you know, a good margin after yeah. the Lamar. It's, yeah. All right, guys, let's get into it. I'm, I'm going to go to uh, to uh, team number uh, six tonight, uh, Scott Connor at oh, Charles boy. Chill, FFB, uh, FFB on Twitter. You check out all his content over at Destination Debbie, Trades in Five, Dynasty League Football, a guy who, along with Jay Reed and the Chase the Helmet, uh, they have won six FFPC main events over the years. Let's go to him right now. Charles Chill, a.k.a. Scott Connor, drafting from the sixth spot tonight. Hey, congratulations on those Dolphins, man. Uh, you had to like the start of, of your draft tonight, man. That wasn't how I scripted it, but um, – oh. You get out there, and I go. You know what? I'm taking Tyreek. It was it was Tyreek or Cup. I went Tyreek. It was Garrett Wilson or Waddle. They left me Waddle. So, yeah. I mean, that's how it started, and uh, ended up getting Tua kind of at the right spot where I thought he would go QB ten. So, yeah, I'm happy with it. So, Scott, let let me ask you this. So, when you when we touched on this at the start of the program tonight, Hill and Waddle, but then so you obviously had to know you were probably looking at Tunga Bailoa later. But why did you still want to get Josh Allen and your team in the third? Well, so I mean, I'm huge this year. It's really shaped how I'm starting to play Dynasty, but also redraft and especially best ball because it's very sticky. Uh talking about warp or wins over replacement. So being able to lock in Josh Allen there. 
especially after Mahomes and Hurts already went. Did I really think I'd be able to stack much with Allen? Didn't get Gabe Davis. I considered him, but he went in the same round as Tua, so I was kind of hoping I might be able to get both, but no. But I think locking in Allen gives you a guy that's finished in the top two the last three years, so it gives me a warp wins over replacement difference maker, which makes it real comfortable for me to take Tua and only go two QBs. You're still trying to win a tournament of 84 teams, so it's like... I'm okay. It committed me to be a two quarterback build. So that that's why I did it. It seemed like the best pick on the board. Their receivers deadened off after Ridley and Higgins. So it just felt like the right spot. And and you still get Kincaid and, and Knox, obviously, as you pointed out with Allen. So you still get kind of a Buffalo stack there. Can you talk? We, we talked about um, Ridley versus Kirk, or, or at least we talked about Ridley. I'm kind of interested in your thoughts, knowing that you got Christian Kirk at the 607 tonight. Can you talk a little bit about the disparity and whether you think it's justified between Ridley and Kirk in the FFPC best ball tournament? And quite frankly, the fantasy pros in the main event this year. Yeah, I mean, one thing I'm kind of big on in best ball is, I mean, if you notice a lot of the receivers I took late, Tyler Boyd, Josh Palmer, Josh Reynolds, we're talking about efficient quarterbacks on high-volume offenses. I don't really care who the players are. In best ball, if you're getting two weeks from those guys after round 12 or 13, you're good with it. So with Kirk, it's kind of like, all right, he's still a top 36 receiver, but it just feels like people just don't see him having any upside. But you look... I don't necessarily care about the week to week projection of upside. Like I can probably lock Kirk in for six weeks in my lineup, seven weeks in my lineup. Mm -hmm. So it just feels like I'm following a high volume, high efficiency offense there. And I'll just take, you know, it's the, the number two on that offense. What is the difference between that and Devontae Smith, T Higgins and Jalen Waddle? They're probably more talented, but is it really worth the discrepancy of five rounds or four rounds? I don't think so. Round seven, round 17, Scott, what, what, that I was expecting a lot of rookies coming off the board for you then, and it didn't happen. What do you see in Taysom Hill for this season? Honestly, Farrell, that is he's going to be in my lineup once or twice, and that's why I drafted yeah. him. And it's it fits with a Dawson Knox and Kincaid build where basically I'm probably hoping for, what, six games of those guys combined maybe. Mm-hmm. If I can get one or two out of Taysom Hill and then a couple out of Schultz, I mean, that's why I went with a four tight end build. You look at some of the other tight ends. I mean, Musgrave, Noah Fant. Are you are you guaranteed to get two spike weeks from those guys? And you historically have gotten that from Hill. Uh, he, he's done that throughout his career. And I think you might get a lot more from Schultz than you think you're going to get. Yeah, I, I was very happy with – I committed to – when I went to two quarterbacks, uh, we have a tool that basically gives you the roster construction that's optimal for any scoring format. And it was either three quarterbacks and three tight ends or – two quarterbacks and four tight ends. When I took Allen, I knew I was taking four tight ends. I was able to get Kincaid and Knox. Schultz had a decent value, and then Taysom was just round 17. If he can give me two weeks at tight end, I'm happy with him there. So I really liked how the tight end built. It was almost exactly how I planned it out. At Charles Chill, FFB on Twitter. You follow him there. You can check out all his work at Destination Debbie, Dynasty Trades, and Five Dynasty League Football. Um, you know, speaking of all those dynasty formats, the the Dizzle Dave Gerzak Scott commented on uh, your restraint in drafting rookies early on, and I said whatever it was, whatever the medicine was, whatever pill you had to swallow, whatever it was, like you're cured of rookie fever here, man. Like, how long does it take for you after rookie drafts? Where you're kind of like, okay, I got to chill out on rookies here and start looking at redraft. I mean, I got to say, I got enough rookies in the Kentucky back in February, so <laughs> kind of wore me out for uh, rookies. We get 
we get a little bit of uh, reality checks when we get to training camp and you start seeing your favorite rookies. They're still battling veterans that you have already left for dead. So this wasn't a really good class. I think the strength of this class is if we look back in a year, probably the strength of this class is going to be the teams that end up hitting on the Marvin Mims or the Jalen Hyatt's or the Jaden Reeds, like those receivers that people really don't know what to do with Mm -hmm. compared to some of the receivers that are going a little bit higher. I mean, I think there's, four clear good receivers at the top, but being able to get some of these rookie receivers that went in round two or round three, and you're getting them in 13th, 14th, 15th, 16th round of these drafts, one of them is going to hit. One of them is going to be a Deontay Johnson or a Terry McLaurin, and you're going to go, yeah, getting Marvin Mims in the 15th round was a league winner. That was one of the receivers you can bank on, whereas, you know, let's be honest. If you're drafting Isaiah Hodgins, DJ Chark, Michael Gallup, no league winners there. You know, those are those are just hitting singles or doubles. There's no chance of getting a triple or a home run there. So I think somebody's going to get one or two of these receivers that went day two of the NFL draft out of value here in the later rounds. That's probably where I'm looking if I'm taking rookies. Running backs just too replaceable. Scott, let me ask you a little bit about the Malik Davis pick in the 18th round. Um, it, it, am I just reading too much into it, the fact that Ronald Jones gets suspended for PEDs for the first two uh, games of the season today, and God knows how, what Dallas's reaction is going to be to that. Um, how much did the suspension weigh in on, again, a pick that's so late in the draft, but you're always, you know, picking at nits there, trying to figure out, you know, who the best way to fire, or, you know, the best target to fire your bullet at. You fired it at Malik Davis there. How much did the Jones suspension weigh in on that? Honestly, it was between Malik Davis and Melvin Gordon, who didn't even get drafted. It was interesting. Uh, I don't think they gave him $3 million to just not play. So I think <laughs> That was the other uh, pick that I would have considered, but I opted for two receivers after Davis. Listen, Dallas always uses a couple of running backs. They used Davis last year. The only other guy he's competing with right now is another guy I like that people should keep on their radar is a guy called named Rico Dowdle, who's been there for a couple of years. Oh, yeah. One of those two is going to make the team. Now, do they bring in another guy after the Rojo suspension? I think there's a chance, but I, I don't think they bring in a guy that you go, wow, that just pushes Malik Davis aside. I think he's going to get a chance. And the one reason why I'm okay taking him and being a little shaky is because it's best ball, everybody is trying to pick the right five or six running backs here, right? Nobody else is going to be able to go to the waiver wire, and I can't. So given what other people were taking, I mean, Zach Evans, Isaiah Spiller, give me the guy that's been the number two already on a depth chart right now versus the the hopium from some of those other players. like it. Final question here for you, uh, Scott Connor, um, tonight. You said the draft did not start off. It did not turn out the way you want, or at least it didn't start off the way that you envisioned. But I feel like a guy who's drafted as much as you, you're able to pivot. You're able, you're able to make um, uh, a lovely tomato bisque out of nothing but water and ketchup tonight. How do you feel your draft turned out from the six spot, Scott? So my roster construction was what I planned. I ended up with two quarterbacks, four tight ends, nine receivers, five running backs. I think if there's something that derails my roster, uh, obviously it could be Madison as my RB2 is a little shaky. Uh, My RB3, Dalvin Cook, isn't on a roster. I I happen to think some of these running backs, and I don't know if Farrell has an opinion on this, but some of these running backs, I don't know why Kareem Hunt, Dalvin Cook, Leonard Fournette, they have no interest going to a training camp right now. They might be better off waiting until somebody mm-hmm. needs them. So I do kind of like getting you know, some of those free agent running backs as they fall because people go, oh, man, they're not on a roster. Leonard Fournette may jump into a really nice role in week six when somebody needs somebody, and he would have been around seven or round eight pick. So Cook is a big gamble as my RB3, and then 
Elijah Mitchell is another guy that there's other guys in the backfield and San Francisco will use anybody. So I think if there one thing derails me here, it's probably the running back room, to be honest. No, I think that's I think that's a good breakdown. And they're they you're right. They're too weight. They're better off competitively. They can be better off financially. And at this point in their career, they're trying to get as much play as they possibly can beyond this year. So you're they want to pick a spot that will also won't matter for us in fantasy football, won't matter a great deal for them, but they'll be able to play for a team that'll move into the playoffs, be playing in January. So I, I think uh I, th- I think wherever those guys land, when you, when you take a player uh, like Cook, who's been very active, and you would have to assume that he's the closest one to getting something done, that you've made a really good move for that. Well, and I think that the money that's being offered reportedly for those guys is you know not much for Dalvin, and I think the NFL sees him as maybe a little bit above the others. Yes. So if you're talking about you know Hunt or Zeke, they're only getting offered three, four million that's not worth them probably playing a whole season. They'd probably rather get two or 3 million in week seven and only play half a year. You know what I mean? Versus do those guys really want to show up at a training camp and battle chase Brown for a job? You know, like they probably don't need to do that. So we'll see. We will see how this shakes out, but I like my team. I like my construction. Uh, It was kind of a fun board. It's nice being in the middle in these drafts because I can just react to what's going on. If you're on the turn, it, it's tough. You got to really be convicted on your construction and the players. And I'm not a player take guy. I am a, I play in hundreds of leagues. I get exposure to everybody. I balance my exposure in my stacks. And, you know, if I have to pick players in one draft, I'm not the drafter you want to hire. That's for sure. <laughs> exactly. The uh, owner and proprietor of Dynasty and Chill. Uh, you can check out all his Dynasty content at Destination Debbie Trades in Five, Dynasty League Football. A guy who has won six, count them, six FFPC Main Event League Championships along with Jay Reed at Packers314 at Chase the Helmet. Follow all his spots on Twitter, most specifically at Charles Chill FFP. Uh, FFP, beg your pardon. Scott, we will see you in Louisville for sure. And I'll see you in Vegas as well, dude. Thank you so much for joining the show tonight. Good luck the rest of the way this season and take down that million dollars. Yeah, guys, it is jumping up on us in the next six weeks. I'll see you both a couple times. So have a good night. Absolutely. Scott Connor, Dynasty Chill, uh, at Charles Chill FFB on Twitter. Make sure you're following there. Check out all his great work, especially for Dynasty Leagues as well. Okay, let's get into our final guest of the night. Uh, They were drafting tonight from the nine spot. Craig Magnuson and Tim Marks, longtime FFPC players, uh, many times over champions in both the main event and our mid-stakes contest, the Fantasy Pros Championship. We'll bring him on uh, right now. Craig, did you get a chance to refill a, a, a glass of scotch while you waited? <laughs> you bet, baby. Got it right there. Okay, perfect. Love and that. So we're on board. We, came, we represented. We've got our jerseys yeah, on. That's right. That's I love it. PC shirts, baby. You got the pros versus Joe's swag on, which we appreciate. <laughs> um, which is fantastic. <laughs> Um, Craig, Craig, how long have you and Tim been playing fantasy football together over the years? How many years has it been now? Uh, pretty much the beginning of the FFPC. I'm going to say 10 to 15 years. Wow. That's time. crazy. That's yeah, crazy. You've won a few times, believe it or not. Yeah, well, you have. You've won more than a few times, uh, you guys. Yes, together. Yeah. You, you have been on the HSFF hour. Um, uh, at least I, I want to say you've been on at least once, but I think you've been on the road of this high stakes lowdown as well. So you guys are well known within the industry. You guys were drafting tonight from the nine spot. Craig, you had to be loving life. I love the Austin Eckler uh, falling to you here at the 109. How thrilled were you and Tim about that? Oh, we, they're just awesome to get Eckler at 
at nine and then come back and get Andrews. Yeah, we felt it important to get a stud running back and a stud tight end right away. It takes a lot of the pressure off because, you know, tight end premium league, you need, you need either Kelchi or Andrews in our opinion. So we were happy to get Andrews in the second round too. Now, is, is Tim mic'd up right now? Can I ask Tim a question? Yeah, you can ask me a question. Okay, perfect. Very, very, there he is. Okay. So, so, so we just talked about with Craig. Eckler and Andrews, Tim, did you tell Craig or, or did Craig tell you? You're like, okay, now we got a stud running back. Now we got a stud tight end. Let's start well, pounding always, these receivers. Yeah, it's always a little bit of, bit of a battle because he goes, I'm a little, he's contrarian and I'm a little bit of a gambler. And uh, so Demesh on who we're supposed to pick, but we both felt strongly that we had to go running back tight end if we could get one of the top two tight ends. Tough to do when you're, when you're drafting nine. But uh, we felt we pulled it off, and then we had to focus on wide receiver. You know, you've got on the show, guys, a, a wonderful representative of the automobile industry, and your team would make me think of, of nothing but Rolls Royces, nothing but the, the top of the line of name and name brands of fantasy football. And uh, it's, it's an impressive group. And it, and commentary from our auto executive on your pick of Ezekiel Elliott is forthcoming. But it's, it's just, I, I really like the old school mentality of what you guys are coming with here. And it will be fascinating to see if uh, uh, what you can do with this mix. Well, you look up his, his age and he's not 30 yet. So we thought there was a chance he might play a little bit this year somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So that, so, so tell. <laughs> All right, so tell us about Brandon Cooks here in the eighth round, uh, another cowboy, or at least yeah. another cowboy that uh, Ezekiel Elliott isn't right now. You already have uh, Metcalf, Hopkins, Williams, uh, Craig. How important was it to to get Brandon Cooks here coming back at the eight oh four? You know, we just thought that was a nice value. We we had at that point we were thinking Prescott as another quarterback, and uh, you know. Cooks is a it's a nice situation for him, probably one of the best situations in his career in terms of an offense. I, I'm a big Dallas fan, mm -hmm. uh, Mike McCarthy fan. I hate to say that, but I am. So, <laughs> uh, I just I just thought it was you know a good situation. I know he's the number two, and Lamb's going to get the majority of the targets, but take some pressure off Cooks. He's normally been a number one, so I just think it's a good spot for him. Um, let me ask you this, uh, Tim. I'll throw this to you. You talk about being more of a gambler. Was did you have to sell Craig on guys like Jamal Williams in the tenth, Chiga Conquo in the eleventh? When when you're kind of like shooting for the upside there? Absolutely. Uh, we, no, we were both in agreement on that. You know, I mean, with Kamara, you don't know how long he's going to be out. You, you know, that's you know four weeks, six weeks, whatever it's going to be. He had a nice uh, little run last year, and uh, we're just oh, hoping Jamal to catch lightning, lightning in a bottle there again. What about Craig? Is is uh, and we want to get to our next guest here. So Craig, I'm going to ask you. This is your last question. Uh, and Tim, actually, you weigh on this as well. After you guys took Bryce Young in the 14th round, Valdez Scantling, McBride, Chandler, Chase Brown, Allen Robinson, Michael Carter. Craig, I'll let you weigh in on this first. Who's your favorite pick out of those final six picks? Did you have one that really stood out to you? And then Tim, please uh, feel free to to let me in behind uh, or inside your mind as far as your favorite pick among those last six. I'm, I'm going to cheat, Balky. I'm going to give you two. Okay. One, I, I like MBS, you know, being a, a Packer fan. Uh, his his relationship uh, with Mahomes this year, everything I've seen and I've read, 
the second year with Mahomes, and, and Patrick said a few things about it too. You know, he's more than just a deep shot guy, and we saw it towards the end of the year last year with him. So I, I think getting him that late was a tremendous value, especially with the Tony injury. Um, but I, I really like uh, Chase Brown. Uh, you know, backing up Mixon. Yeah, as we know, it just takes one injury for a guy all of a sudden not to have value, and now he's the guy. And mm-hmm. Chase Brown could be one of those guys. He left Illinois early. He's a he's a really good running back, and I think people are sleeping on him. Yeah, and I kind of agree. You know, you talk about the the interview before us talked about spike weeks, right? We're just trying to catch lightning in a bottle for a couple weeks. I believe MVS is going to give us that two, three, four weeks. Um, then an injury away, you know, that can be a game winner for us. Uh, Craig Magnus and Tim Marks, uh, so thankful that you could join us tonight. Not only good luck on the pros versus Joes this year as you try to take down a free 2024 FFPC main event entry, but good luck taking down that million bucks this year. Really appreciate you guys carving out some time for us tonight. Go Pack Go, and we will see you. We will see you shortly, all right? Good luck, guys. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Craig Magnuson and Tim Marks. Uh, I lied. I said we that was our last interview. Let's go to our last one, ladies and gentlemen, tonight. He was drafting from uh, the 11th spot. We talked about his team quite a bit tonight. It is Mike Lushane. Mike, am I pronouncing your last name right? Lushane, is that what it is? Yeah, that works. That's perfect. Okay. All yes. right, perfect. Uh, welcome in, Mike Lushane, the FFPC Joe, drafting with Raymond Seo from uh, the 11th spot tonight. So let me ask you about, and, and I think this is where the, your draft zeroed in on me as, as far as your pick-to-win picks. Saquon Barkley at the 111, Josh Jacobs in, in, at the, uh, in the third round, and then Kyle Pitts in the fourth. Were you guys taking the approach of like, look, we're winning this league or we're not? Yeah, absolutely. I think you have to do that. Anytime you're in a best ball league and you've got to beat 11 other people, I think you've got to take some shots. And, you know, when it comes to uh, Jacobs, yeah, that looks like a huge gamble right now. And I get that. That could look really silly if he sits out, you know, the first four or five weeks of the season. But it just doesn't really make much sense for him to do that. You know, it makes sense for him to sit out training camp right now. And then it, what he should do is probably show up right before the season starts. And so we're, we're comfortable with that. Um, same thing with Pitts. I mean, Pitts is a huge gamble. And, you know, we recognize that. But, of course, you know, picking in that area, you know, at 402, we knew that none of those other top tight ends were getting back to us. And so we wanted to make sure we, we took either Pitts or Waller there. So this is, uh, this is interesting, that, uh, interesting strategy that you had from the, from the 11 spot. You take Trevor Lawrence in the sixth round. I said you had your, your, your floor guy there. But then you get Anthony Richardson, your your well, I guess he would be your ceiling guy in the in the tenth. Why would you take Kyler Murray in the fifteenth? Can you tell us, like, let us behind the the your mind there of why you guys wanted to still make sure you got a third quarterback on your team? Yeah, so well, there are two things there. The the biggest part of that is really just in case Anthony Richardson is either not playing for half the season, or mm-hmm. you know, you never know. I mean you would think that they would play him and get him experience um, since they're probably not going to be very good. Um, but the other part of that is, you know, he is really raw. And as much as we like running quarterbacks in fantasy football, you know, just in case he's more Malik Willis than, uh, you know, <laughs> you know, we wanted to make sure we, we got a third quarterback and Kyler Murray's another huge risk. I mean, he's mm-hmm. another guy who, you know, I, in the main event, I'm staying away from him because I hate his schedule when it when it gets down to uh, playoff time and tournament time. But here, 
you know, if he's back by October, which I think is possible at least, I, I'm fine, you know, with that gamble. You know, I've been asking a lot of players this, and and quite frankly, Mike, it it it's not probably a great question given the disparity uh, between where you get Godwin and where you get Evans and drafts right now. But you guys took Godwin at the 5'11". Now, Mike Evans lasted until the 7'10". Can you let us know a little bit about what you and Ray were talking about as far as Bucks receivers? Why was it Godwin at the end of the fifth round as opposed to Mike Evans, a guy who's got a great track record, perhaps a Hall of Fame track record in the NFL thus far? Yeah, I love Evans. I, I think when you look at those two guys, though, in my opinion, I, you know, I think it's, it's the old adage that, you know, we're going to get points for what they're going to do, not what they have done. And, you know, we were strongly considering Evans right before he got picked. We were probably still going to take Cook, but mm -hmm. we were strongly considering Evans there. I think just with Godwin, he's a lot younger, you know, he's by all accounts, a lot healthier going into this year. Um, and he's a little bit more of a volume receiver. Um, I, I'm I'm a little bit skeptical that whoever, whether it's Mayfield or Trask, you know, could support two top 24 receivers. But certainly, you know, uh, I have no problem with Mike Evans in the seventh round. He, he was in strong consideration. And I think in the main event that we've already done, I think we even took Mike Evans it, with Godwin and, it, you know, in similar spots, fifth and seventh round. So one of the things that Scott Connor and we're talking, by the way, with uh, Mike Lashane from the uh, 11 spot tonight, the FFPC Joe is drafting there uh, with Raymond Sear. We talked with Scott Connor about drafting from the middle where he can kind of scoop up value. How difficult was it for you guys to draft in the 11 spot tonight, knowing that you couldn't really scoop up value? You kind of had to take care of needs uh, every time it got to your spot. Yeah, I like the challenge. And I mean, I mean, Scott's right. I, you know, when I, first did my redraft rankings, you know, back in whenever, May or whenever, I, I noticed that there's definitely an advantage to picking in the top half, I'd say, of, of the first round this year. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, I like the challenge. I like, you know, going out and, and getting your guys and not worrying about ADP. Um, so it was a fun challenge. I, you know, I really enjoyed this. Uh, it, it was a lot of fun. I mean, watching you guys formulate your draft, you obviously pounded running backs in the middle. Did you guys have a favorite pick or a, a pick that you were most proud of? And, and maybe conversely, a pick that you're like, ah, God, we, we don't like this, but we feel like we got to go this way here. You know, I mean, obviously with wide receiver, we were a little bit thin there. Um, mm -hmm. So what we ended, our strategy sort of ended up being that we were going to, we took Juju. I didn't really like that pick that much. Ray didn't either, but we felt like we just needed someone who was going to, you know, give us the potential to hit our lineup um, some weeks. And then after that, we took a lot of guys that are sort of like boomer bust, like Mooney, Van Jefferson, those guys could have 60 yard touchdowns. And then they're going to have a lot of weeks where they have one catch for nine yards and they won't hit our lineup at that point. Um, I'd say, Another disappointment would be uh, Jared. I know Jared's a real sharp guy. Um, he sniped us on Noah Fant. I thought that was terrific value. Um, and that ended up leading to us only have, having two tight ends, which I think is by far our, our weakness here um, in, in this with this team. You know, we really need Pitts um, to have a big year. And then we need Luke Musgrave to have enough 10-point weeks, you know, to make up for when Pitts doesn't do anything. But um, Fant would have been terrific. You know, I, I don't have the board in front of me, but wherever he went, I think he went like 
tight end 34, tight end 35. And, you know, I I think he's a pretty – Noah Fant is a pretty safe bet, I think, to outproduce tight end 35. All right, uh, Mike, listen, we, uh, we're we running short on time. I wish we could have you longer, but we will continue to follow you at NFL Rough Draft, right? Is that where we're following you? Yep, and thanks again for this, guys. This is a lot of fun. Oh, it's, it's our pleasure. We absolutely loved having you on. This is fantastic uh, that we were able to get you. Uh, good luck not only in the pros versus Joes, but as, uh, as uh, you plot your way to a million-dollar grand prize in the FFPC main event as well. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, guys. Have a good evening. Good luck. You do the same. Mike Lushane. Follow him on Twitter at NFL Rough Draft. Okay, guys. I'm going to stop saying this is our last guest of the evening because we got one more. <laughs> I apologize for this. But we got to talk to the fantasy alarmers at the second uh, second spot tonight. Uh, no, it's not Britt Flynn. No, it's not Coupe Fiasco. It is Kevin Tompkins joining us tonight. Woo! At K Tompkins, uh, t- Tompkins II. Right? K. Tompkins, I, I, is that what I'm looking at right now, Kevin? Yes, I am the second. I'm happy to be a third option uh, to come on with you guys uh, from the Fantasy Alarm crew. So, you know what? I'm still on the medal stand. That's uh, that's, yes. that's a win for it's me. all that matters. So, let me ask you this. First question. How much input was Coop putting in tonight, given that he's got to care for a brand new baby daughter? Um, this draft goes out to little Laney J. Cooper, uh, but he yeah. actually, uh, it was me and Britt uh, flying this plane tonight. So, uh, okay. Yeah, so to, to give you a little uh, look behind the curtain here. So it was me and Britt uh, combining on this, uh, the efforts here tonight, and we're very happy with uh, what transpired here out of the 102. Yeah, so Kev, let's talk about that because you take Kelsey there, and then was it a priority for you and Britt to get Mahomes coming back in the second round? We were talking earlier today about what we could do with that second pick. Uh, we were pretty locked locked into Kelsey. We obviously had, you know, the contingent of if we were going to get either him or uh, Jefferson. So we we're happy to get Kelsey. We were really looking into locking up that tight end spot and not having to worry about that. It gives us the flexibility. And then, you know, hoping that maybe Mahomes would get to us. And I thought maybe we could float him the third. Um, you know, it was really good kind of to see. It, we did take Mahomes and then 101 took Jalen Hurts. So we're mm-hmm. like, oh, well, maybe, you know, we probably wouldn't have got him. So I'm glad we took him there. We actually were looking at Jameer Gibbs um, and he went very yeah. good 205. I think taking maybe a uh, Kelsey Gibbs Mahomes potentially, or even Gibbs uh, at, at the third pick uh, would have been a really nice start. But taking T. Higgins, that still correlates with the Kansas City bet. Uh, very happy with how, at least how those three, and then we're off to the races. So, Kev, let, let me ask you about if Mahomes and Gibbs were available at the 211, you guys were taking Gibbs over Mahomes? I think we're going to take Gibbs just to kind of anchor um, our running back with right. him. And then I don't think it was really necessary to take Mahomes, although we do want him. But if we didn't get him, I don't think it was going to be the end of the world mm-hmm. um, not getting. But I think it's just taking Kelsey and Mahomes, that stack was very important last year. Obviously Kelsey and Mahomes are going to be super, you know, efficient and effective this year. Got, you know, with health, um, it really locks us into being able to do what we want after that, because we don't have to worry a lot about finding tight end value in the middle rounds. I mean, we took Mike Gusecki and then took a, just a late stab on Cole Turner. Uh, and then we only took two quarterbacks and locked uh, Mahomes up with Wilson. So, Taking two each there really let us fill out everything else. What did you mean? You know, you talked about wanting to anchor your running back position in the second round with Gibbs. You didn't do it there because obviously he was gone. But how do you feel like you did at the running back position, given that you only drafted one running back in the first eight rounds in Aaron Jones, who I actually love. 
and then you get Kamara, McKinnon, Algier, Foreman, Gus Edwards later on. How how do you feel about your running back position, you and Britt? Yeah, trust me, we're we're a lockstep, Balky. We're go go pack go. Uh, Packer fan here too, so uh, I will never say a bad word on these airwaves or any airwaves about Aaron Jones. Uh, but I just think he's criminally underrated, uh, yeah. just in totality. Uh, just with I know his touches are going to get managed with AJ Dillon, but you look at you know Aaron Rodgers is gone now. We know he audibled a lot out of what probably Lafleur wanted to do. This mm-hmm. is going to be the first year that we're really going to see what. A Matt LaFleur offense looks like. And I think it's going to trend to wanting to protect Jordan Love just a little bit more with the run game. So I, I do have Dylan and Jones a little bit higher in my ranks. And I think Aaron Jones is a pretty capable anchor there. And then taking Kamara, um, I think it's a really good bet on late late season upside because we know they have Jamal Williams and Kedry Miller there. But if he can get his touches managed a little bit to where he's not having to run between the tackles with 200 carries and just we've seen how inefficient he's been the last two years. If he can be managed a little bit more and be used in more of a receiving role that we've seen um, to where he, when he was a league winning running back, I'm not saying he's going to get to that specifically, but if we can get back some efficiency with Alvin Kamara on less work, I'm very happy with that as my RB two. you know, if he's suspended for six games, we have to see about that, but then locking up Jarek McKinnon to go with that Kelsey and Mahomes, the big bet in Kansas city, um, it was really trying to get a lot more um, immediate standalone value while still taking bets on a Tyler Algier, who is really more of a contingent play. Uh, Deonta Foreman, who's been very efficient with Chicago. It's still kind of a murky backfield. So I think we did well, even with the lesser numbers at running back and not devoting as much draft capital. Talk to me about Mike Gesicki. Are FFPC players sleeping on him? The fact that you guys got him as your second tight end. Uh, tonight at tight end 21 at 13.02. He's not in Mike McDaniel's offense anymore. He's in Bill Belichick's, baby. Yeah, we've seen how Bill Belichick is going to use the tight ends, and Mike Isecki is just going to be that normal in-line blocking guy where I think he's going to be used as, you know, that receiver uh, in the slot. So with the ambiguity in the Patriots offense, I think Mike Isecki is a great pick there. I think people like to look and see the TE next to Mike Isecki's name and knowing that they have Hunter Henry and kind of I think that's leading to a lot of his ADP being pushed down. But when you look at the X's and O's and looking at how he's going to be deployed in that offense, there's really not a lot of sure bets in that uh, Patriots passing game either with Juju, Tyquan Thornton, um, Devontae Parker, guys like that. So Mm -hmm. I think taking a guy like Mike Gusecki, he's got outs to being the top receiver, at least the most productive receiver in fantasy out of the Patriots. So very happy to get him at 13. I actually had, my mindset on Gerald Everett uh, there, and then we kind of had to pivot to Tyler Algier and then come back with Gusecki, who I, I still do like, but I wanted to build a little bit more of a, get at least a charger in there to fill out with Russell Wilson and Judy uh, in a week 17 kind of correlation. But yeah, Gusecki is a great kind of consolation prize for what we wanted to do in those middle rounds. When you guys consider the the late round targets you had, I don't know if you and Britt had a conversation prior to the draft starting, but when you look at some of the late round targets uh, that you were hoping to get in your team, did you draft any of them tonight? Were any of them lucky enough to find their way on to Team Fantasy Alarm tonight from the two-hole? We were, when we saw Alec Pierce sliding, we were just really hoping and hoping and hoping and putting it out there, doing a little prayer circle that he was going to get back to us. And uh, he did not, but we still do like uh, the options there. You know, John Mechie, uh, certainly an ambiguous uh, wide receiver and pass catching role uh, with the Houston Texans. Khalil Shakir in the slot. That's really a bet on, um, you know, 
if Dalton Kincaid's not going to be what we think he is, which is running in the slot, they'll get, get a slot receiver. And that's what Khalil Shakir can be in an efficient offense that we know is going to score a lot. Like, why can't Khalil Shakir score six touchdowns, 50 catches, you know, 650 Please. yards? You know, getting him in the 18th round is awesome, I think. Josh Downs, uh, you know, I think that's kind of the theme. More some ambiguous wide receiver roles where taking shots on younger guys with how much capital we put in rounds three through eight with the wide receivers, it affords us to take shots on these guys that, you know, maybe we can get a spike week or two out of them if those guys in the early rounds, you know, falter a little bit. Kevin, uh, final question here for you. When you look at your team from the two spots tonight, when you look at this incredibly stacked league that you were drafting in, and, and we had the YouTube chats uh, comments coming in tonight, how difficult the draft this was. How do you th- how do you think your team stacks up um, against these other eleven teams? How competitive do you think it's going to be this season? Oh, we're at, I mean we're absolutely live. Every team here is live. Um, you know. Our hands are off now. It's best ball. We we gotta we gotta let the chips fall where they may. But I think we with our team structure, uh, taking the elite top tight end, the top quarterback on our board, and then taking a bunch of wide receivers in that group, getting Aaron Jones, who if he's gonna be a top six running back, I think we're you know definitely in in line to be in the first place. I mean, first place matters. Nothing else does. That's right. That is totally right. By the way, you can catch Kevin on the Better Sports Network tomorrow, bettersports.com, betternetwork.com. Uh, at 1 o'clock Eastern time, I assume you and Britt are going to be breaking down this team on the Lightning Round show tomorrow, right? Yeah, we will be breaking down tight ends with Pat Fitzmorris from uh, Fantasy Pros. Ooh, so it'll be nice. uh, definitely a fun time talking about that. We'll get his thoughts on uh, Cole Turner, our last round pick, uh, who – uh, we were thinking, we were like, there's no way anybody's going to be taking him. And I don't think anybody else in pros versus shows took him. I don't uh, think so. The first time I'm seeing Cole Turner, for sure. I'm definitely down for it to uh, get a get a little unique. I don't. I like Cole Turner's profile. So be out in the offense. Logan Thomas is getting up there in age. Why not? Watch Kevin Tompkins and Britt Flynn tomorrow at 1 o'clock. Uh, Eastern time on the uh, Better Sports Network. Check out all his work at Fantasy Alarm. Follow him on Twitter at KTompkinsII. Kevin, so good uh, for you to, to join us tonight. Always appreciate chopping it up with you. Good luck in PBJ this year, man. Bring it home. Thanks, guys. Great tournament. Great to have you guys uh, go through every draft. I've watched every single one of the streams and uh, great stuff. Just happy to be a part of it. Absolutely. Good, luck, good to have man. you a part of it. Thank you, Kevin. Kevin Tompkins, ladies and gentlemen, from FantasyAlarm.com. Guys, I, I mean it right now. We are done with guests. This is this might be the longest Pros versus Joe's draft coverage we've ever had, wow, uh, but we are man. done. And I can't wait. Thanks for sticking it out tonight. You guys, uh, once again, brought great insight. I love the conversation uh, that we we're having. I feel like we made FFPC players that are watching tonight or anybody who is watching tonight, I feel like we made them better fantasy players. We just got one more to go, uh, and that's tomorrow at 10 o'clock Eastern time. I will see you guys both there. Have a good night, guys. Thank you so much. Farrell Elliott, the definitive commissioner of fantasy football. Of course, the uh, the uh, uh, well-experienced, well-spoken Dave Terpoli from the FFPC as well joining us tonight. Remember to check out the KFFSC uh, at kffsc.com. I just joined a slow main event there. I'm loving life. I uh, like my start there. You can compete against me at kffsc.com and perhaps Dave Terpoli as well, as many as the FFPC players also play in KFFSC. So check that out. Main event live draft starting on August 6th. The slows are going right now. Plus, 
plenty of other options for you at kffse.com. Plenty of options going on with the Fantasy Pros Championship, including the Midnight Draft, which is starting in about 35 minutes. And as I look at it right now, we are several teams short, but there's still uh, time to fill this. These usually fill late. I always think like, oh, there's no chance that this is going to fill. And then all of a sudden, do, 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 do. They all fill right in a roll. That could be the midnight draft tonight. Hop in that. I'm commissioning that. Uh, look forward to you drafting a, a for a million-dollar grand prize tonight in the Fantasy Pros Championship. If it's not tonight, plenty of drafts filling each and every day. I mean, they basically start at 1 o'clock p.m. Eastern time every single day. Live drafts, slow drafts are filling are going off as soon as they fill, as well as the FFPC main event. Don't forget, slow drafts filling up there right now, uh, and the live drafts start on August 4th. Um, you uh, have the opportunity to win not only one, but two separate million-dollar grand prizes in the FFPC main event and the Fantasy Pros Championship this year. Don't forget about all the Dynasty Leagues and uh, the closed 12-team leagues we have, along with a pair of best ball tournaments, all at myffpc.com. Thanks to uh, so much to Darren Armani, the FFPC producer, mutual friend Rob, our audio engineer, and my best friend Bryce. Most of all, all of you listeners and viewers taking this in tonight. Want to thank Dave Terpoli and Farrell Elliott. Remember to follow Dave on Twitter at Dave Terp. Farrell, you can follow on Twitter at J. Farrell Elliott. Check out the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship at KFFSC.com. Thanks to our guests tonight, Jay Cohen, Scott Connor, Craig Magnuson, Tim Marks, Mike Lushane, and Kevin Tompkins. We are back tomorrow for our final FFPC Pros versus Joe's Draft of the season. It is league number six. The Joes are going to be Peter Puzo. You're looking at John Friedman, Vince Staffolino, a guy who's been on these airways numerous times. Chad Schroeder. I think everybody knows who Chad Schroeder is. He's drafting tomorrow night as well. Shelly Fossum and Peter St. Pierre, a best ball expert in the FFPC as far as Joes go. Um, you are looking at uh, the pros tomorrow night of Gary Davenport, Darren Armani from Fantasy Mojo, he'll be drafting live. Mike Shope and Adam Krautwurst from the deep end are drafting fifth tomorrow night. Guru Elite's Jeff Manns will be partaking. Michael Nazarick from FF Mastermind, as well as Jason Petropoulos from BrotoFantasy.com, another loaded league, another uh, night of fun. And we start at 10 o'clock Eastern time tomorrow, so one hour later than what we did tonight. Thank you so much for watching, everybody. Really appreciate everybody's contribution in the YouTube chat, and we will talk with you again at 10 o'clock tomorrow night. Have a good night, everybody. This has been another episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com. It was broadcast live and was watched around the world. Balky and Farrell will be back next week with more analysis, more interviews, and more advice from guests much smarter than they are. Thanks for watching, and we'll talk with you again next week. Want to remind everybody that FFPC uh, Fantasy Pros Draft is going on right now. The midnight one starts up in about uh, about a half hour, or so we already just got a couple of teams signed up for it. So make sure you're registering for it at myffpc.com. Um, and I will have a special announcement um, coming up tomorrow night. You know what? Let's just make the announcement tonight. If you are, if, if you're feeling jealous and you want to have your teams covered live on the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour with myself and uh, Dave Tripoli on Thursday night uh, or as uh, with, with myself and Farrell Elliott on Friday night, go ahead and sign up 
for the live on HSFFO or drafts right now. We have one coming up at 9 o'clock this Thursday at 9 p.m. Dave Terpoli will be in that one. That's league number 54072. Sign up for that. And then 54076 is the league number for Friday night. That is live on HSFFO or as well. Still spots remaining on both of those drafts. And we could critique your uh, draft. We could have you on the show. We'd love to talk with you as you plot your way to a million-dollar grand prize in the Fantasy Pros Championship. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back tomorrow. Thanks for watching, everybody. Be safe, and uh, see you at 10 o'clock.